Now tell me more about how I sound like I'm on a radio laugh when I laugh. <laughs> no, we're going to waste all the good stuff. <laughs> you want to make fun of me on the air? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the point, right? Yeah. So you're nervous to be here? Yes, I'm very nervous. Do you think I'm going to let you sound like a fool on my show? No. Yeah. <laughs> Who loves you too much to do that to you? You do. You have to live with me, though, too. So <laughs> you do. I know where you sleep. <laughs> I love you so much. Love you too. I really do. And you know what? I'm going to use this at the start of the show because it's adorable. Oh, (laughs) shit. It's not fair. I didn't sign a release form yet. (laughs) I'm using everything. Can I uh, listen to it before you release? Can I sign that in my contract? (laughs) Final approval. Final approval? Yeah. Uh, No. (laughs) But I promise I won't make you sound silly. Okay? Yeah. You're not going to get my my, uh, low damage. (laughs) No, if you do the whisper, you got to be louder. Oh, crap. (laughs) Just go, damn it. Damn it. There you go. Perfect. Damn it. (laughs) Get it again. You're still nervous? Yeah, still nervous. You don't have to be nervous, sweetie. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have fun. We're talking about your favorite movie. It's going to be awesome. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Garbage people. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, stupidity. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody Psyops with Hawks and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema Psyops. I am not joined in the studio with Matt this week. I am joined with the most important person in the world to me, my loving and wonderful wife, Bev. How's it going, sweetie? Hello. Are you a little nervous still? Yeah, I'm still a little nervous. You have nothing to be nervous about at all in any way, shape, or form. Okay. <laughs> Just want to let everybody know, I am definitely not Matt. <laughs> I would certainly hope not because I've never been this attracted to anyone that sat across from me on this desk before, so. Oh, you you like Matt? Not like I like you. <laughs> I don't like anybody nearly as much as I like you. We're probably going to make people nauseous with our flirting. Ooh, yeah. You, you Everybody get it? their barf bags out. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. No, I can't help it. I'm going to flirt with you. I gotta. I mean, you already told me you like the sound of the radio voice for me, so I'm going to flirt with you a little bit on the mic. Oh, boy. And if that makes everybody sick, hey, there's always another episode next week. But I'm hoping that they'll find this charming that they hear a married couple talking to each other about a movie. Okay. Is it fair to say that this is your favorite movie? Like, is there a movie you love more than The Burbs? Uh, no, not really. This is pretty my favorite, I guess. Your absolute favorite movie of all time. And I was forbidden yeah. to cover this, right? Until you could actually you muster up the courage. were. Yeah. And you even watched it without me to take notes, which 
felt really strange. Yeah. You want to so. talk about how you have moratoriums on certain movies that I'm not allowed to watch without you? You want to talk about that? No, you do too, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think we would both be pissed if the other person watched Monster Squad without us. Yep. And somebody already fucked uh, that up. Well, that's how I found out that there's moratoriums on films. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Monster Squad, what, two years ago for a Halloween marathon? Yeah. I picked it out and I was watching it and you were very upset that I did you that. You have so many other movies. Why would you pick that without me? Because <laughs> it was on Netflix and it was easy to find and I just went for it and I wasn't even thinking. Whatever. Yeah, but I knew not to do the burbs at least. I knew I shouldn't watch that without you. Well, yeah, I kind of introduced you to the burbs. Yeah. Do you, we can talk about that if you want at the uh, end after we do the review or we can talk about it now. We can wait. <laughs> Dispense. See, you just set up your first lead right there. You already know how to do a show. Nice. <laughs> yeah, good work, sweetie. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we uh, stop beating around the bush? We'll go ahead and talk about the movie. So we will take our first break here. I'm going to play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music from the Burbs. And when we come back, we will play the trailer. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots. And I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fright process. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. saw you smile so you must recognize where this is in the movie right no well, of course yeah yeah <laughs> me first steps on the lawn uh well when they go to step on the lawn whenever they're daring each other to go knock on the door yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> yeah not the first step no the, no the group. but you you knew it you yeah. uh, you knew it right away you knew where where it was in the movie i saw you grin because you started chuckling a little bit while we were playing it well yeah and it's awesome <laughs> you know what else i think is awesome sweetie what this trailer all tom hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home this is what i need carol i, I need this welcome to mayfield place a typical street in the burbs morning walter where nothing much ever happened walter's dog just took a dump on rumsfield's lawn again <laughs> Until the Clopex moved in. Clopex? Clopex. Clopex. No one goes in. No one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Clopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! 
The Burbs. I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? We found Walter! We got a real problem. I hit the gaslight, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No. The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey. I think we should move. That was one of the trailers where I didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot to it. I just had to trim out a few sound effects and things. It's one of the older versions where you get that trailer guy voice that we always like to make fun of. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember. In the 80s. You know, the boys and I always doing that with the, in a world, in a place, in a land, in a time. Yes. One man will struggle to make a podcast work. <laughs> His wife joins him in the studio because he needed an episode and didn't have a co-host. Here I am. <laughs> All right. Instead of making up a film that doesn't actually exist about a podcaster that nobody will watch, why don't we talk about a film that kicks ass? Okay. Yeah. All right. So the film opens on a shot of the Earth from space and then does a mega zoom all the way into a Midwestern suburb. Then we see the name of the movie. Now, it looks as though the movie is actually moving in towards Iowa, possibly in like a Des Moines area where the suburb is supposed to be. But if you pay attention, some of the license plates are actually Illinois. So. Yeah, I was that it was like kind of like around Chicago. Right. Because a lot of the, the houses look sort of similar to what you would see in the Chicago land area. And all of the license plates say Illinois on all the cars pretty much. But if you pay attention to the way that it goes in towards the Midwest, it looks mm-hmm. like it's heading right towards Iowa. Maybe they're heading towards Illinois and it just looks like Iowa to some of us. Sure. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing for sure, though. It's not taking place in Nebraska. No. That would be awesome, though. <laughs> It'd be better if it took place in PA. Yeah. It'd be better if we still lived in PA. <laughs> you don't want to answer that? Cricket. Cricket. <laughs> I can put crickets in if you want. <laughs> We then see the name of the film, which is The Burbs, after it pulls into the suburbs. And then the movie moves in to show us a neglected house, which is right next door to our main character, Ray, played by an extremely young Tom Hanks. I wouldn't say extremely young. Well, compared to how he looks now, he's like early 30s. Okay. That's still pretty young, right? 30s 30s are still pretty young. He's scrawny. You know, he's super thin. (laughs) You know, (laughs) doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. He doesn't have all the guilt from doing the Da Vinci Code movies you know he looks better (laughs) you're just like you're not funny cord shut up i live with you i laugh at your jokes all the time (laughs) i'll laugh at your jokes when it doesn't count and people don't need to think you're funny court it's totally fine sorry i'll i'll have a laugh next time next time i'll laugh i promise (laughs) oh you're so wonderful and supportive (laughs) thank you so much all right so we see the neglected house of ray's next door neighbors ray wanders on over when he hears a sort of strange noise starting to develop from the neighbor's house and then he notices that his adjacent neighbor across the street we find out later his name is rumsfeld is smoking a cigar and looking all ominous in silhouette in the window there didn't really pay attention to it as closely until i did it for a review but i just noticed that the way rumsfeld was kind of staged there it looked like he was trying to look all sinister and foreboding to the neighborhood while he's staring out the window at everybody well i think he always has an eye on the neighborhood you his think, character you think he's paranoid you think he's always looking for something to be going wrong because of his nature of his work well, i don't know military i, I think he just Oh, he, he's, enjoys a, that. he's an arms dealer. He he deals in yeah. weaponry and like surplus and stuff. They say that later in the movie. You don't he, think he served at all? Oh, no, he served. Oh, yeah, I so. think his career now, I think he's retired from the military and he sells weaponry. Oh, okay. 
So I, I just think that he's, I think he's supposed to be like the atypical paranoid, like weapons nut kind of guy. Hmm. Is That's how I always pictured him. You just think he's retired military then or? Yeah, I don't know. Well, either way, he's definitely paranoid and he has a lot of weaponry. Yeah. And an army issue stuff. So there we go. All right. So there's some more strange noises arising from the house uh, next door. And this really weird supernatural wind pops up just for no reason at all. As soon as Ray steps onto the neighbor's property, that always seems to make you laugh when you watch it. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite parts. Well, I mean, it's the start of the movie. It's awesome. Yeah. It is pretty funny, too, because Tom Hanks does that blinky-eyed thing that he does when he's, like, you know, trying to get a grasp on what's going on and the wind looks like it's drying out his eyes. Yeah. I think if you just had any actor walk in there that wasn't Tom Hanks, there's no way it would be as funny. Like, he sells that moment. Oh, no. Yeah, he's great. All right. So they cut from that to a paper boy the following morning, delivering the papers around the cul-de-sac. As he hits Ray with the paper, then Ray immediately responds by tossing his coffee at the kid. Now, that's the other one. It always makes you chuckle. Yeah, I don't I don't think that was ever planned. I think he just did it for it looks know. like he improvised it, like yeah. he went to throw it. And I know I, and no one can do something like that. That's funny, you know, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Well, well there might have been a few other people that could pull it off, but I think it's, I the, know, it's so funny. I think it's the face he makes, right? The face that yeah. he makes right as he does it. You I know? don't know. Because he looks like he, he looks like the kid hits him with the newspaper. He looks down in shock and then he gets that look like, I'll show you, you little bastard, and then throws the coffee. Sure. We then meet Walter, who nearly gets his toupee knocked off off by the paper boy when he goes tossing the paper at him. I didn't notice at that time, but he buzzes uh, Walter's head. Oh, really? Yeah, and then Walter says, watch it, you little bastard, or something like that to him. But uh, I noticed that I think the paper boy was basically aiming for people. He must be bored. Oh. Uh, hmm. He's just a kid, right? He's just a kid. Teenagers are all assholes. Not all teenagers. <laughs> Let me guess the caveat's going to be your nephew. Yeah, my nephew, your nephew, our nephews. Our nephews? Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> But all other, all other teenagers, though? I don't know. Matt's, Matt's son isn't. <laughs> Either. <laughs> so three? No, there's there's a lot of kids that are great. I've considered teenagers assholes, but then I talked to a few of them and found out that not all of them are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so after the paper boy buzzes his head, Walter sends his dog to go take a dump in Runsfield's lawn. It looks like this is kind of something that he spent some time training the dog to do to keep his lawn nice and to get after Rumsfield. You think they have some kind of a weird rivalry thing going with who has the nicer lawn on the block because they're both older men who are retired and that's all they have going on in their lives. I don't know. I think that's kind of a stereotype of a Midwest, (laughs) you know, cul-de-sac. And an older man, like just, you know, always having to have the best lawn on the block or whatever. Yeah. I don't think that counts for us. You haven't mowed the lawn like in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It's been raining and I hate doing it. (laughs) I'm not going to get into this. There's trees growing on the lawn. Not that we planted. It's it's conservationist. It produces oxygen. The more plants we have, the better off we are. I'm fighting climate change because I love you. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Boy, I love the way you bust my chops. All right, so Ray notices this that the dog has gone to take a dump on Rumsfield's lawn, but says good morning to Walter anyway after he gets a little chuckle from it. And then the part of the film I dislike the most, Corey Feldman walks in as Ricky, who is essentially just being Corey Feldman. Why do they even bother not naming his character Corey? He should have been. What's, what's his name on the meatball? Ricky. That's all I know. 
<laughs> next door is a meatball. Ricky. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what Ricky's last name is. They actually say it in one of the clips, so we'll hear it here. But he's basically being Corey Feldman. He's not even trying to be another character in any way, shape, or form. Nah, and I don't think he needs to be either. He's fine. You just think they just hired him to be Corey Feldman? Probably, yeah. How funny would it be that like Corey Feldman, when he's not acting, lives in this cul-de-sac and is Corey Feldman? That would be kind of a neat little thing to do. That's funny. All right, so he apparently gets left at home and is supposed to be painting his house, but instead just decides to spill paint all over his really nice speakers. Yeah, it's a dick move. <laughs> you know what else is a dick move for people that actually like stereo separation? Hmm. Putting both speakers right next to each other. Is that what he does? Yeah, they're right next to each other. They're, never they're like smack against each other. You have no stereo separation. It completely ruins the audio mix. And I'm not even that big of an audiophile. Is he just trying to get like louder sound by putting them both together? I don't think it works like that. They don't really necessarily get louder. If anything, because they're right next to each other, I think it would cancel it out. Nah, I don't know. I think that the kid is an idiot and he just put both speakers there because it looked cool to have them together. (laughs) (laughs) This is the other thing that I just thought of too. It's probably not even his stereo. Chances are it's his dad's stereo and he moved it out to the porch for when he's painting and he dumps paint all over his dad's stereo. Yeah, well, they left him alone, so... So what you're saying is if you're Corey Feldman's parents and you leave them alone, you get what you deserve? Yeah, you should know better. I totally agree. He kicks off some music and that enters our war machine, aka Rumsfeld, and the Mrs. Rumsfeld, who raise a flag and salute it before stepping backwards on... Now, I wrote this in my notes. I didn't mean to make it political, but sometimes I can't help it. I wrote Trump pile. (laughs) I guess I refer to dog shit as Trump pile from now on. Hmm. You're going to allow that? You're going to put up with that? I guess so. <laughs> if the shoe fits, right? Or if the pile of shit fits anyway. Now, just like anybody else that's, uh, you know, a healthy, red-blooded American, you step on dog shit when you don't have a dog on your own front lawn, you're going to go ape shit about it. And he goes after Walter yelling and screaming while Ray watches and laughs. And that actually is going to lead us to our very first clip. What are you doing up? Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Good, honey. I know you're in there, old man. Honey, honey, the neighbors. Listen up, mister. That piece of scum barking rat of yours has just taken his last dump on my lawn. I find one more, just one. I'm going to catch him and staple his ass shut. <laughs> By God, I'm going to do it right now. No, 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 no. Honey, come on. Let's go. Hey, honey. I think we should move. An arms dealer across the street and a crazy person down it. All they ever do is fight. Is this sweet enough? Now there's new next door neighbors. What is their name again? The Klopex? Mm-hmm. Is that a Slavic name? I don't know. They've been here a month. You think they're going to do something about their yard? Are you going to eat any of this? Oh, no. I got that thing with my stomach again. I wonder what was going on over there last night. I knew this was going to happen. What? Nothing. What, Carol? What did you know was going to happen? It started already. Look at you. You're going to sit around the house all week doing nothing, get bored out of your mind and go back to work in worse shape than you are now. No, I'm not. Please, let's pack up the car and go to the lake. Just get away from here and rest. You should see yourself. You were up at the crack of dawn watching a dog poop. You call going up to the lake resting. It is four hours of driving on the tollway in holiday traffic to sit in some dank, wet cabin and and wait for that neighbor with the enormous head to get drunk and fall down the stairs. He's a hydrocephalic, and I don't think that you should make Honey, fun. Honey, it just that's not my idea of restful, all right? This is restful. Hanging around the house, just being lazy, and that's what I want to do. I just want to hang around, be lazy, listen to the ball game and... I'll drink a couple hundred beers and maybe smoke an occasional cigar outside. I'll, I'll fix the barbecue in the backyard if you want me to. I'll do that. All right, this is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. And you'll see. At the end of the week, I'll, I'll be a brand new human being. 
It's your vacation. So Ray's kind of a trendsetter here. He invented the staycation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's the proto staycation. And it's already off to a rocky start. He's already fighting with his wife. They're bickering back and forth. But I think they clearly love each other. I don't think people bicker like they do if they aren't concerned for each other. Yeah. And who knows? She might just need a vacation herself, though. So. From Ray's shit? Well, no. She wants to get away from the house. I don't know if she works or what. It's, they never really talk about that. Yeah, they don't. Like, you would assume by the way that she's, you know, preparing the breakfast for everybody and is surprised that he's up and is getting everything together. And some of the lines that say later on, it seems like she may be the lady of the house and she does all of the housework and takes care of the house and she's the homemaker. And then whatever Ray's job is, which we also don't know. Yeah. And if you heard in the clip there, he does call Rumsfeld an arms dealer yeah. that lives across the street. You're so right. I don't know if that's his perception of Rumsfeld or if that's what Rumsfeld really is. There's a few things that get said here that you, you kind of think maybe some of the characters are just like, well, that's what that person is. You know, he dresses in the military all the time, so he's an arms dealer. Like, you know, like almost like it's a derogatory way of referring to an ex-military guy or something. I don't know. Yeah. And what is he? He calls Walter a crazy person <laughs> who lives down the street. Like, he has very low opinion of everyone around him. This is the first time I kind of noticed listening to the clip and then also when I was recording it and listening to their conversation and paying attention to it. It seems like whatever's going on in Ray's life, he had to take a week's vacation just spontaneously because he needed a break from work. I think he's kind of stressed out and work is getting to him, you know, because he says, when I'm done with my vacation, I'll be a new man. I promise you that's what I need to do and everything. Yeah. And I think the reason that Carol is getting on his case is because she's concerned that he's getting too stressed out and that he's, you know, going to burn out and that he's not going to do anything to get better or that he's going to be in worse shape to go back to work. And she's legitimately worried about him. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think everybody needs vacation. <laughs> like every other week. So and I think Americans could use a hell of a lot better vacations than what we get. Yeah. <laughs> the two week vacation thing is like horseshit everywhere else in the world, in the European Union and everything. They get like, what, five weeks and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And we had to organize unions and create battles to get two weeks. And even that's not guaranteed for all of us. That's why I work for myself. <laughs> but you still don't get vacations because you work for yourself and your boss is a slave driver. Myself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. So as this vacation that we were talking about is off to a rocky start, right in the middle of that argument, we see that Art is starting to take pot shots at crows with a rifle like a fucking jackass. He's in a heavily populated area. This bugs me every time I see it. Yeah. He should be really the one that they call crazy. Art is insane. Yeah. Art is, yeah. There's something <laughs> wrong with him. This whole entire cul-de-sac is filled with people that need some help. Yeah. <laughs> like Ray's pretty much the most level-headed and straightforward person in the cul-de-sac and even he seems like he's kind of at his wits end here yeah but well you know so i think everybody's like on vacation so it could be just like that summer break because uh ricky's parents are on vacation and then uh art's wife is gone to see his what sister right and his mother-in-law 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 yeah. yeah so you think it just happens to be the week where everybody in the cul-de-sac went on vacation yeah well, that makes I sense i mean it's it's very possible like i think it might be a holiday weekend too that they're getting at or a holiday weekend is coming up yeah because it sounds like he says something about arguing about about the cabin at some point where he says that it's holiday traffic. Yeah, he doesn't want to spend all the time in traffic. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like four hours or something. All right, so I always have a problem with Art, the way that he handles a rifle and has no gun safety in any way, shape, or form. He's the reason why people shouldn't be allowed to just have guns for any reason at all. And he bought the rifle specifically because his wife was getting on his case about the crows invading the bird feeder. And he even nearly shoots Ray as Ray 
runs out to yell at him to stop firing a weapon in the backyard of a heavily populated cul-de-sac. Well, in Ray's backyard. Yeah. He's also trespassing and firing yeah. a rifle into another neighbor's yard and doing destruction of property. I mean, Art's hilarious to watch on screen as a character, but if you had him as a neighbor, you'd be calling the cops on him like every five minutes. Yeah. I would. I, I'm not saying you. I'm saying I would. You would probably try and talk me out of it because you're like, he was not that bad. Give him another chance. <laughs> You're always so much more calm and collective about stuff. And you always want to give people a lot more leeway than what I do. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But I'm the angry one of the two of us, I would say. I would be the one that would be running out there and throwing stuff at Art and telling him to get the hell off my lawn like an old man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Art, being the eternal mooch, invites himself in because he says, hey, you guys eating in there? And just walks in and starts eating everything in sight in their kitchen, including the dog's food when Carol is walking by with the dog's dish. That's another one of those things that I don't think I noticed that until about maybe the fifth or sixth time that we watched it. And I remember pointing that out where I saw that and you're like, you hadn't seen that before? That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that part. He eats on the dog food and then notices that it tastes bad, but he doesn't spit it out. He just basically uses the coffee to wash it down and eats it anyway. And with that, he then grabs the empty syrup bottle, which I'm guessing he's the one that emptied, puts it back in the fridge like an asshole and grabs leftover food, sniffs it, and then grabs a brand new bottle of maple syrup and a pineapple and goes and sits down and then starts discussing the Clopex with everybody in our next clip. How come you're not at work, right? Well, I, I took the week off. Oh, week off? That's great. What, are you guys going up to the lake or something? No, a backyard. Backyard? I just want to hang around the house and relax. Relax? Oh, oh, good luck with those maniacs you got living next door. You met the Clopex yet, Art? No, no, I haven't. Nobody on the block has. But uh, I did talk to the real estate fraud that sold them the place. Apparently their last house, it only burnt to the ground. Really? Yeah. Hideous, raging inferno. Neighbors from hell. Maybe. Whatever it is, I'm sure glad I'm not the one who lives right next door to them. I mean, come on, let's face it. You know, these Clopex are strange. Been watching that house ever since they moved in. No one goes in, no one comes out, no visitors, no deliveries. What do you think they're eating over there, Ray? Well, maybe these people just want to keep to themselves, Art. Remember, oh. remember when the Naps lived next door? How many conversations did you have with the Naps? I had two. Oh, oh, come they didn't on. even say goodbye when they moved. Oh, please, don't even compare the two. I mean, come on. I, I, at least if they weren't conversational, the naps were semi-normal. They worked in their yard, they mowed their lawn, they had a lawn to mow. There's Clopex. We don't even know how many of them there are. There are three of them. They only come out at night. Ricky Butler says that they're nocturnal feeders. Oh, Ricky Butler says. Last week, when I was up on the roof with my telescope, I saw them in their backyard. What were they doing, honey? Digging. I like grave diggers? Maybe. All right, that's enough of this conversation. I want you to stop spying on the Clopex with Ricky Butler. I'd like you to stop filling his head with such half-cock theories. Where are you going? I go change it to my vacation talks. Are you done with your egg? I had to cut it out because it sounds so fucking disgusting, but that part where... <laughs> where Ray's son and Art are talking about the Clopex and he's biting into an apple, Ray's son is, and, and <laughs> Art is just eating the ribs, the yeah. leftover ribs from the fridge. is one of my favorite parts because they're chewing and they're like, yeah, what about it? You know, the whole time that they're talking <laughs> and they're in the same shot facing each other and it just makes me laugh. Yeah, their faces are like, I don't know, a foot away from each other, barely. Yeah, yeah. and they're like chewing like chipmunks. They have both have like cheek loads of food while they talk and stuff. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, they cut from this to Mrs. Rumsfeld, and I believe her name is Bunny or 
Bonnie. I wasn't clear. I didn't turn on the subtitles, but it's always it's always Mrs. Rumfeld because to me anyway, because that's I think it's Bonnie. It's it's Bonnie or Bunny, one of the two. I'm, Bonnie, I think. Yeah, I think it's Bonnie. Okay, well, we'll just go with Bonnie on this. I think I wrote her in my notes as Wendy. So if I say Wendy, and, Wendy, I know why. I think it's because the actress's name is Wendy. Oh, maybe that's what I slipped on. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if whatever. only there was a database core that you could check on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> I love that you use my jokes against me. <laughs> hey, I had it first. <laughs> oh yeah, because they won't know that you, you stole it. <laughs> Wow, you're even undercutting me on my own show. I feel so emasculated. Who, me? <laughs> wow, you're just playing dirty now. <laughs> All right, so they cut from that to Mrs. Rumsfeld trying to explain her gardening plan of how she's going to mix these flowers together or something along those lines to her husband, Mr. Rumsfeld. And he's kind of obsessing still over Walter's Trump-dropping dog. He will not let this go. And he talks about, and this is where I think that they have a competition going on because you see some kind of chem lawn treatment or some type of fertilizer lawn treatment truck where they're spraying Walter's lawn for him. And that's how he's got somebody taking care of it. Yeah. And he's over there with the dog and, you know, kind of holding on to it and talking to these guys. And then he waves to somebody or whatever. And that's what triggers Rumsfeld to get pissy about, you know, he's got the best lawn in the neighborhood because he trains his dog to shit in my yard. <laughs> that's pretty good, Corey. <laughs> Thanks. I've been working on my Bruce Dern. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, then right after he says something like that, he gets down and he starts talking with her about the dog shitting in his yard. And that's when Ricky compliments Mrs. Rumsfeld, Bonnie, on her lack of tan lines. He does. He does, yeah. Hey, Mrs. Rumsfeld, no tan lines this morning. <laughs> looks nice. And I love how she's charmed by that, that somebody noticed, and she kind of like giggles a little bit and then looks at Mr. Rumsfeld like, see, other people appreciate me for who I am. Why don't you? Why are you obsessed with Walter's dog's ass? Right. You're looking at your own wife's ass. <laughs> exactly. But instead, the neighbor boy next door. Do you get the feeling that maybe uh, Ricky's kind of putting the moves on Mrs. Rumsfeld? Oh, I just think he's a teenage boy. Noticing and there's that. a half-naked lady next door. Who gardens like that, right? <laughs> that seems like the kind of outfit that you would wear in the bedroom pretending to be a gardener for some kind of cosplay sex or something, right? I mean, who goes outside dressed like she does? I guess if I had the body, I would. Yeah. Oh, Christ. I shouldn't have said that. Now somebody's going to Photoshop that. I know it. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be me. <laughs> You're going to Photoshop it? Yep. You're way too busy for that, and your boss is a slave driver. I'll find time. <laughs> uh, I guess I won't take a vacation this week. <laughs> right after Ricky compliments Mrs. Rumsfeld on her lack of tan lines, my favorite line in the entire movie is said in our next clip. The kid next door is a meatball. I love that line. I know, it's awesome. I was going to say it, but I'm like, I bet you you have it somewhere. We did say it earlier, but I know. Yeah. yeah. And I can promise our listeners I love that line that much that it's going to become a regular clip. The kid next door is a meatball. <laughs> hey, that works for Matt. <laughs> I'm just really glad he's not actually next door. <laughs> if oh. he was, you'd hear him. <laughs> love you, Matt. Thanks for letting me sit in. <laughs> Oh, you're the best. <laughs> okay, so Rumsfeld then starts gossiping with his wife after calling Ricky a meatball about the neighbors. He says something about Ray walking around last night in the crack of dawn, like looking at the neighbor's yard and kind of seeing what's going on and says some other stuff. So pretty much the entire neighborhood here in this cul-de-sac, they're all paranoid and they're all watching each other and wondering what's going on in their lives. And they're way more concerned than most people are about their neighbors. Well, yeah, I think we would probably know more if we 
opened up our blinds and sat outside more often. Yeah, but then we would have to open up our blinds and sit outside more often. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I don't want to be around my neighbors. We actually have nice neighbors. Eh, Except for that strange family, you know, just down the way that their house is all, you know, falling apart and weird noises at night. and With the Klopex. Is that who moved in next door? Yeah. We're so fucked. (laughs) So right after they're gossiping, we then see Ray showing off his new tools to Art, talking about how he's thinking about installing an automatic garage door opener or something like that. It seems kind of like he was given the tools, but he has no idea what to do with them. Yeah, he doesn't know. (laughs) Weren't they a birthday gift or something? Uh, Yeah, Carol's Carol's father. father, His his father-in-law gave them to him. So yeah, that's what he says. And right after he gets shown this stuff, and it's got to be immediately after they're done eating breakfast or whatever else, because Art's still in the same clothes. And Art's like, hey, you want to go down to the stump shop and get some sandwiches (laughs) and then watch the game? Art is always eating. He's like always hungry. And then they get stunned to see that a Klopek has actually stepped out from the house and is on the front porch, kind of looking around and blinking and bleary-eyed. He st- he says this to have Ray come out and take a look, and then Ray starts rubbernecking with him, staring at the guy. And then them moving out and staring at him has Rumsfeld take notice, as well as Walter across the street. It actually ends up having a very good stare at him as well, and they kind of just start looking around. And then we even see Ricky and Ray's son who are standing together, and they're staring at the Klopek as well. And that's where we get the music where the strange, oh. uh, the Eno Morricone music comes up. Yeah, and isn't Qu- Queenie kind of squints at him too? I think they do have Queenie yeah. squint a little bit too. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and that's when Ray starts daring Art to go talk to the Klopek. And then Ray sort of dares Art back by saying, well, he's your neighbor too. But Art's like, yeah, but you have an adjacent property or whatever. And that's when Art goes in for the kill. He doesn't do a triple dog dare to get him to stick his tongue on the pole in the middle of winter like you would see in Christmas Story. He actually says you look like a coward in front of your son. No, you look like a chicken in front of your son, Ray. In front of your son, you're, you're being a chicken. He yeah. repeats it at him and he's like, in front of your son, kind of driving it home, which pushes Ray over the edge because he kind of insulted his manhood there. And so Ray starts shoving at Art and then dares him to go with him. And that's when <laughs> they cut to Rumsfeld and he's like, look at him. They're daring each other to go up to the porch. <laughs> up on the porch, it rang the doorbell. Yeah, because they were going to do like a little thing to try and meet yeah. and greet. And this is where the rest of the cul-de-sac is kind of staring at them to where everybody's watching them and they notice and now they're trying to muster up the courage. And while everybody's staring at them, that's when we get a recreation of a very Sergio Leone Western. And that's what I wrote it in my notes as T-Zone cutaways. Because you notice that they frame everybody's eyes where you see like their eyebrows like in the middle of their their nose and everything. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's all T-Zone shots. It's something that Sergio Leone does in his Westerns where you watch very close to that character's eyes and they're dead center in the frame. And then they kind of, while they're moving around, they even end up reusing Eno Morricone music that that's actually from a Sergio uh, Leone Western, I do believe. I think that's what Joe Dante was going for, so I just wanted to kind of point that out. And I think when we watch this, I say the same thing every time when we watch it. I point that out to you. So. Oh, probably. <laughs> In one ear and out the other, you just ignore me at this point? Yes. <laughs> Is that what saves our marriage? You just ignore me when I start telling you stuff that you've heard a million times? What? Did you say something? <laughs> 
All right, so this stops music and everybody staring and all of that when Art falls from breaking through a floorboard in the porch. Ray tells him that he hopes that they won't sue them for that, and then Art insists that they should be suing them for the broken porch. Then Ray knocks on the door, and this is one of my favorite bits. The house number changes from 669 to 666. I laugh and chuckle every time I see that. He does. (laughs) (laughs) And I also love, too, where they both look at it and the camera zooms to it or just kind of focuses in on it and then they both look at each other when the camera goes back to them and they're just kind of like I don't know man is that a sign should we stop but (laughs) but they're both so terrified that people will think they're cowards they just keep going so they knock again and the whole entire sign that had the 669 falls down it comes loose and just kind of slides on the wall and then it hits the porch light and knocks that loose and knocks it off which reveals it's just regular bees right I don't think it's a hornet's nest or anything no it's just normal bees yeah it looks like just regular honeybees basically. But the bees are not happy about having their home being jostled and exposed like that. So they do what bees do. They go after both Art and Ray. And this is the one that makes you laugh, I think, the most. I think you laugh at them running from the bees. Yeah. <laughs> is this your favorite, like, little goofy sequence in the film, or? I don't know. There's so many. This one's <laughs> pretty good, though. So it's safe to say that every goofy sequence is your favorite goofy sequence Well, yeah, because they start running, and, you know, Rumsfeld starts turning on the water, and he's like, run to me! And then, yeah. <laughs> run to water? Run to water! I think you love, too, when he's charging, the hose is too short, and it makes him fall backwards. Oh, totally. <laughs> That's another thing I think that also saves our marriage. You love physical comedy as much as I do. You have as much fun with the three stooges as I do. Yep. <laughs> Which is so rare. Sorry, I'm kind of like going ahead of your notes. Is that fair? Oh, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> you save me from having to say it. You know exactly where we okay. are in the film. So if you want to talk about something, you just okay. just jump in and just take over. <laughs> yeah. If, I, if you could read my handwriting, I'd let you talk about the movie. Yeah, I don't think anybody can read your handwriting. <laughs> I can't you even can't read You can't even. Either. I know. I saw you look at it. It's like, um, what does it say? Yeah, when I write, I write terribly. I should just start typing notes all together, but there's just something about writing them out physically that feels right when I'm watching a movie. Uh, anyway, so they go running towards Rumsfeld after he gets back up and realizes the hose is too short to go any further than the front of his lawn. And so they charge towards him and then he starts soaking them with the hose to try and get all of the bees off of them. All the while, Ricky is laughing his ass off. And I didn't notice this before, but I noticed it this time. Did you notice that Ray's son is like super embarrassed by his dad at this point? No, the way that I didn't behaving? see that. Uh-uh. Yeah, Ricky He's laughing his ass off and at first Ray's son is kind of like into it and kind of thinks it's cool and is you know having a good old time but until his dad starts getting attacked by bees. Now I don't know if he's frowning because his dad is being attacked by bees and he's worried about his father or if his dad's being a complete doofus ass and embarrassing the hell out of him. I would guess by his age he might be a little bit of both. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty funny but at the same time that's your dad getting swarmed by bees. Right. And I love the right after all of this calms down and then Ricky goes over and starts talking about how he was over there and it was a foaming squirrel or something like that that attacked him. The same thing happened to him the other week. Oh, he did say that. <laughs> yeah, but it was like a foaming squirrel and whatever. Right after that little bit of a speech, I love that Art has a bee in his mouth and it's just sitting there on his tongue and he just has to keep trying to spit it out. I always worry that they didn't remove the stinger and the thing kept binging at his tongue and that's why he couldn't get it spit out. Oh, I don't know. That would be the worst to get a bee sting on your tongue. It's worth it because it's pretty funny. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
It's worth it for him, but you wouldn't yeah. do that, right? No. Comedy no. is pain, right? Yeah. Pain makes comedy. That's mm-hmm. what makes comedians funny is trying to get rid of the pain. You're absolutely right. And people getting hurt is always funny. It's never not funny when someone gets hurt. That's not true. It's always funny until somebody gets hurt. Then it's fucking hilarious. That's not true. <laughs> I'll curse your empathy. I know. <laughs> so this ends up bonding the neighbors because Rumsfeld saved the two men and now he's kind of suspicious as well. So they get sort of this bond of suspicion about what's going on with the Klopex and they're all kind of concerned about them, especially since this has just occurred and they clearly have bees living in their house. Like what's going on with these people? Later that night, Carol and Ray are arguing and Ray decides to leave the house and uses walking the dog as an excuse apparently to just get away from the house and go smoke a cigar. It seems like it's a regular occurrence because it's even mentioned that that's how it happens in our next clip. He comes over here to smoke cigars. His wife won't let him. He doesn't know I know that. Hi, Ray. How you doing, bud? Hey there, Mr. Peterson. Good to see you. One need a letter by chance, would you? Ah, it is a lovely night, isn't it? Yeah, green sky tonight. Green sky at morning. Neighbor take warning. Green sky at night. Neighbor take flight. You know, did you ever see the movie The Sentinel, Mr. Peterson? It's about the old guy who owns the apartment, which is kind of like the uh, gateway to hell. No, I, I didn't see that. <laughs> well, I was doing some thinking, and you know, being that their last house burned down and all, it's like maybe somebody left the gate open. It's them. They're moving around again. You know, it was a night just like this that it happened. What happened, Mr. Weingartner? Oh, it was a long time ago, Ricky. Hinkley Hills was a lot smaller then. Safer, too. You never had to lock your doors. Everybody knew everybody. I must have been maybe, oh, nine, ten years old. You know where the big mall is? Yeah. Well, there used to be a big drugstore down on the corner there. It had, it had a big soda fountain in it. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, the guy who ran it was a was a rotund guy. He had glasses. His name was uh, Skip. Lived over in Elm, had a wife, a couple kids. You know, not too sharp. I mean, hey, the guy's 40 years old. He's wearing a paper hat, and he's making cherry Cokes. It's a sin she's not running for governor, right? <laughs> anyway, it got hot that summer. I remember it got real hot. It was sweltering. You know that heat where your underwear sweats and it crawls up the... Anyway, it's hot, okay? And they start they start smelling this, this really vile stench over on Elm, and, and they figure it's coming from Skip's place. And no one wants to say anything. I mean, what do you do? Go knock on the guy's door? Hi, your house stinks. So, so people are trying to ignore it, right? They're trying to pretend it, it isn't happening. And, and you know those pine things? They're trying to cover up with those pine things that you put in cars. People are hanging those on their porches. <laughs> oh, you think that's funny, Ricky? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, let me tell you what happened next, okay? The state health inspector shows up. They go over, they talk to Skip. He says he's got a sump pump problem. They leave. Hey, the guy's got a little sewer problem. He says he'll look after it. Everything's okay, right? Mm. Wrong. A couple hours later, there's smoke pouring out of the windows of Skip's house. The firemen show up. They go into Skip's house. You know what they find? What? Skip's family, dead, murdered by Skip weeks earlier with an ice pick. Yeah, the guy killed his whole family with an ice pick. Yeah, yeah, just put him in the cool basement, covered him up with a sheet, and went back to making ice cream treats for the townsfolk. Only thing, Skip didn't count on there being a big heat wave that summer. You know what that was that all those people were smelling over on Elm, Ricky? What? Skip's family's bodies decomposing in the summer heat. Yeah, apparently one day Skip just made one too many lemon phosphates. Oh, snap. I remember that. I, re- I remember hearing about that when I was a kid. They, they tore down the soda fountain that fall. You know, these towns are full of those kind of stories. Sometimes they're happening right under your nose. You know, speaking of noses, ever since his family has moved to this block, I've been noticing a weird kind of odor, kind of like death. Ah! Oh! <laughs> oh, jump a little higher, Spud. Oh, stand up. Sorry, Mr. Peterson, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to walk. Well, Don't apologize. Mistake. I'm going home. 
Oh, <laughs> come on, don't be a weenie. I'm sorry, it Mr. Peterson. It was a joke. It was a joke. Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television. So just to confirm that her name is Bonnie. Okay, the character's name the, is Bonnie. Yeah. Is it? Is the actress's name Wendy, though? Yes. Okay, so that's probably where I was getting Wendy from. I probably re- remember her from another movie. Yeah. She's been in a few Joe Dante movies. That's another thing I love about Joe Dante is the cast of characters that you always get to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be asking you questions about if you recognize some actors, so I'm going to confiscate your phone whenever that time no. comes around. <laughs> You don't get to cheat. You have to try and see if you can remember who they are. I almost said the name because I know you ask me every time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Dick Miller. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's one of them. So that's a preemptive 500 awesome wife points right there. Awesome. Yeah. Not many guys have wives that will recognize the name of Dick Miller. So that's pretty fucking awesome, actually. All right. So they cut from this clip to Ray and Carol playing along to Jeopardy. Never knew anybody that did that. Is that actually something that people do? Do you know anybody? Yeah, that did my that? sister and her family watch Jeopardy sometimes. But they were look like they were keeping score and writing down. Oh, well, they did look they like they had like they were a doing notepad something. and stuff. Like they were really into it. I'm not yeah. like just saying watching Jeopardy and trying to answer. Like I think they were trying to see if they could get everything thing or get all the answers. Maybe we should start doing that. What, play Jeopardy? Play yeah. along to Jeopardy? Is Jeopardy even on TV stuff? Yeah, it's still around, I think. Okay. Or at least reruns are. I haven't seen it in like ages, so. I don't, I don't think know. we get that channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. It's just, you know, comes over the air because we're cord cutters. Well, I'm a cord cutter. You just have to be because you want cable. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you have a Hulu subscription for. All right. So they're playing Jeopardy and Ricky dressed as Michael Jackson in his extremely Michael Jackson-esque coat he had like chain mail over one of the shoulders and like weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's pretty popular back then. Yeah, but I don't know. I just, I guess I have a problem with Corey Feldman. I don't know. Not all the time. I love him in other movies, but this movie, he irritates me. I don't get it. Just don't understand why I just like Ricky Butler. Butler. There it is. Ricky Butler. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Ugh, it just annoys me. I want to punch him in the face. He's fine. <laughs> Oh, you're so much more forgiving of him than I am. Well, anyway, Ricky Butler, dressed as Michael Jackson, has a girl over at his place, and he's trying to convince her that his neighborhood is actually more entertaining and far more interesting than going to a movie or watching TV. I think Ricky Butler may be a pioneer for reality TV. Could be. You think maybe that's what he moved on to do? He became a reality TV executive? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe he was the forerunner of the Survivor or something? I never thought too much into it. <laughs> you know, you weren't concerned about Ricky Butler's I, future. No. After the movie, you're just kind of like, whatever, screw Ricky Butler. <laughs> He's not worth it. Yeah, that's why probably why I don't care about the character as much as you do. <laughs> well, don't you I? You lay up at night thinking about him. Yeah, I obsess where over now. where he is now. What's he doing? Will he ever call me again? Oh, so sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Art sneaks over to Bug Ray, who abandons his wife for Art in the middle of Jeopardy. Something tells me that uh, she's not going to let that go. Nope. I totally wouldn't do that. I would be telling Art to fuck off. Hanging out with my wife. My wife's more awesome than you, Art. Piss off. That sounds just, about right. <laughs> I'm just saying. I can see like if Matt if Matt and Erica ever moved in next door <laughs> that Matt would be art <laughs> he'd be standing at the window yeah Matt would totally be art yeah <laughs> hey you guys eating in there 
<laughs> Can I have some? <laughs> you want to go down to the sub shop and get some sandwiches? No, that'd probably be us to Matt. He'd probably be grilling. We'd be like, hey, what are you guys grilling over there? What you doing, Matt? How many pounds of meat you got Oddly smoking enough, over there? they live in a cul-de-sac, so maybe the burbs they is going to happen to them soon, you know? They do live in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, there you go. All right, so they end up meeting up with Rumsfeld when Art drags Ray away from Jeopardy and his wife, and they start spying on the Clopex with a night vision scope for, it's like a sniper scope, and it's like this infrared scope, and it's ridiculously <laughs> giant. Oh, man, some of the stuff is very aged in the film, but I love the way that he's using the scope, and the Art grabs it and starts walking over there, negating the use of a scope by walking towards the place while you're holding on to it, like a jackass. <laughs> uh, Ray becomes skeptical here. That's one of the things that I did notice this time around, too. I always think that Ray is always on board, but if you listen to some of the things that he says during the film, Ray's like, guys, you know, yes, they're strange, but that doesn't mean anything. And it's almost like he's going along with Art and Rumsfeld at this point because he's trying to talk them out of doing something really stupid. Yeah, and, he's not really convinced until they head over to the house, so. Yeah, well, and I think the part that we're about to get to is kind of what gets him even more suspicious, too, because he says it, like, Ray's like, well, you know, we're going to watch him with a night vision scope, you know, why don't we just tap their phone lines, jokingly, mm -hmm. trying to be sarcastic. And Rumsfeld, without even, like, recognizing he's being sarcastic, looks at him and goes, that could be arranged, as if, with no hesitation. Yeah. Doesn't even care that he'd be violating any of their rights or breaking any of the laws. He's just like, I could do that. <laughs> just like totally into it. And then something about, Ray says something about we could burn a cross on their lawn or whatever, like more sarcastically, like trying to indicate that they should just leave and get out. You know, like what they're basically doing is, you know, beyond harassment. And then a strange noise fires up and then a screeching starts happening that's even louder. And then a bright light that looks an awful lot like firelight starts beaming out from the basement of the Clopex house across the street. We then see lightning striking the lightning rod on the house several times. And then after that, a car emerges from the Clopex garage and the young man that popped out earlier to go looking around in the yard on the porch drives the car all the way to the end of the street, then grabs the end of the driveway, not the street. Okay. End of the driveway. Drives the car all the way to the end of the driveway. Yes. Goes to the trunk, grabs a very large bag from the trunk. Looks almost man-sized. It's bigger than him almost. It's like he can barely keep a hold of it. Then he dumps that huge bag into a trash can right out of the car's trunk and starts jamming it into the trash can with what looks like a garden hoe. Like he's trying to really jam the thing down in there. Yeah, and it's lightning and raining a little bit. Well, it starts right after he does that, yeah. yeah. But the lightning strikes the house a couple of times and you, you hear thunder in the background like it's getting ready to rain. Yeah. And as he's doing it, like each hit is accented by a lightning strike and thunder in the distance. Yeah. To make it even more spooky and fun. They have great music during that too. Yeah, and Jerry score. Goldsmith's score is amazing for this film. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, while he's doing that, smacking the trash and everything, they actually cut back and show you like Ray's face and Art's face and Rumsfeld's face. And they're all like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty gruesome what he's doing there because it looks very violent. Yeah. I even wrote in my notes that he's beating the trash with the garden hoe like it owed him money and refused to pay. That sounds about right. <laughs> he then backs the car up back into the garage and they decide that they're going to go take a look at the garbage, which Ray says might be a little suspicious suspicious to go digging through it as soon as it hits the curb. But right as they go to look, a thunderstorm hits hardcore, and that's when the rain really starts coming down, which sends them all back to the porch, hiding away from the rain. At this point, it's when Ray decides he can no longer deny that weird shit is going on, and that was really weird what he just saw. He even says, I've never seen that before. Never seen anyone drive their car 
garbage to the end of the driveway and then beat the hell out of it with a stick. Yeah, I love. I actually love that. <laughs> That's what <laughs> with the way you said. Yeah, I would have told you that you need to clip that. So really, yeah, okay. Because it's I don't know. It's like for real. Like, have you ever seen somebody do something like that? <laughs> Drive their garbage to the end of the street and then beat the hell out of it with a stick. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, where I, I grew know. up. That's where I grew up, though. That's the kind of that's people just I a grew normal up thing. Around. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's what you do, and then that's... you light it on fire after that. Gotcha. <laughs> they cut to later that night. Ray sees the Klopeks in the rainstorm digging grave-shaped holes in their backyard, and they're all wearing these very bizarre old-timey rain slickers as they're doing it. Yeah, they kind of look like monks. Yeah, it looks like a monk robe yeah. or, or something similar to that, but it's also got like a very slicker coat look to it, but it's very bizarre, and it's very not normal what you see <laughs> with the three of them in the backyard digging like Hey, that. everybody knows it's the, the ground's softer when it rains, so they're just trying to, you know plant some pretty flowers back there. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't you wait until the rain is done and the ground is still wet and then dig? Well, by that time, you know, it's probably midnight. You're going to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. Don't you're, ask me this question, score. Come on. You're, you're trying to find excuses as to why they might be digging that late at night in a lightning storm. Yeah. With tools with metal on the end of it that they might get struck. Yes. <laughs> You, you don't want to admit that it might be a little bit bizarre. No, it's totally bizarre. I love that you give people like that the benefit of the doubt because otherwise we probably wouldn't have ended up together. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, there might be another story. <laughs> There's always a reason people act weird and it might not be because they're serial killers. <laughs> All right, so they cut from that of the Klopex digging in their backyard to the following morning and we see two of the garbage men. Now, you got one of the names already. Jake Miller. Right. Do you know what you recognize from what other movie? Um, yeah, Gremlins. Yeah, Mr. Futterman, right? Yeah. That's probably the one that everybody recognizes Dick Miller from is Mr. Futterman. Yeah. And I even refer to him as Mr. Futterman more than I refer to him as Dick Miller for fun sometimes. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Mostly on this show because I have a lot of respect for Dick Miller. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Now, I know you recognize the other guy. You may not know the actor's name, but can you think of another movie you may have seen him in? Oh, you ask me this every time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do. I, I put you on the spot about this every time and now I'm doing it while I'm recording you which is even more stress you didn't you never took away my phone no I'm trusting you to be an honest girl oh damn <laughs> Um, let me think. Okay. I know, I know we watched it. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's like, um, some kind of sci-fi movie. You're not too far off. I will okay. give you a hint. It's a sequel to a movie that Joe Dante did. And Dick Miller's also in that one as well. Equal. Yeah. And Dick Miller plays the same character as he does in Gremlins. <laughs> you mean Gremlins 2? Yeah. Do you remember what he does in Gremlins 2? Who that, the garbage man is? Um, the other one? Was he part of like the, um, not the CA, but... The, the, he's like the head of security for Clamp Towers and Gremlins Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. yeah. You may also recognize him. I think the that's one not, that you... That's not a sci-fi movie. Uh, kind of I was is. thinking... I don't know why I was thinking that it was in... Um... Well, he's he's in a Star Trek show. He's one of the one of the people in Star... One of the Star Trek shows as well. You might know him from. Yeah. But I think that... But he's also a great actor. There is a sci-fi movie that I know you would know him from for sure that you always laugh. He's the cowboy in inner space. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I am a cowboy. He's never seen a cow. <laughs> Can't rope the steer because I don't know how. We haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think because I always sang that. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's probably what you remember Robert Ricardo from. Now you can look at your Robert phone. Ricardo. Ricardo. Picardo. Picardo. Yeah. And I don't. Yes. I can't even. I know he was in one of the Star Trek shows, but I can't remember which one because it's one of the. I'm more like Next Generation in the original series, and then yeah. some of the movies. First Contact. Yeah. Well, he's one of the characters that got brought into First Contact too. Yeah. Me. 
Yeah. Total Recall. He's been, oh, I remember him in Total Recall. Yeah. For him in that. Yeah. Robert Picardo is one of those guys. You can see his face everywhere. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So these two garbage men that we were just discussing actually leads us to our next clip. Oh, wait, Wednesday night. I'm going to leave. This seminar could change your life, Vic. The man is a great healer. And I'm a great bowler. And Wednesday night, we're taking on Roselli Plumbing. You really should expose yourself to this guy, Vic. He understands paraphysical forces, the healing capabilities of crystals, and the, the laying on of hands. You want to try laying on some hands? Wait, hold it, Garbage! Garbage! Garbage man! Hold on a minute! Wait a sec! Wait, 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 hold it! That's my vacation. That's my vacation. You know, I am very, very worried about you. Why? You're acting like what? What am I acting like, Carol? I'm acting like a guy who's on vacation. See? I sleep late. Get a tan then. Oh, get a tan. How am I supposed to get in my pajamas? I don't don't know. Look, look. You go up to the cottage to get a tan. Take David with you. I don't care. I'll eat takeout. I'll do the laundry by myself. I'll vacuum the house and be spotless when you get back. Garbage all over the street. Your mom and I are having a conversation. If you what? Get out of the truck, man. Are you nuts? Hey, you gotta be in here somewhere. The Supreme Court ruled that a person's garbage is public domain the minute it hits the curb. Shut up. You guys pick up a hefty bag out of that yard that was bulky and, and probably a little bit moist. What the hell is wrong with these people? He has the right to know, Vic. Don't start up with me. Hey, could you help me get this guy out of here? Huh? Hey, stay. Yeah. My taxes pay your salary. Look, I don't want to hear any of your bullshit either. The question here is garbage. Who picks up this mess? Who picks up this mess? Or you're going to pick up the mess because you are a garbage man. I took up garbage in cans, not from the street. Ray, there's nothing in here. We practically checked this whole truck. They they must have switched on us during the night. In the rain? Yeah, yeah, it was raining. And there, there were how many of them? Well, uh, three. And what were they doing? They were digging. Digging, like great diggers. Yeah, I, I told you, they're ghouls. No, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say they were great. They could have been digging for anything. They could have been digging for, uh, you know, like night crawlers. Night crawlers? Yeah, yeah, they're fishermen. Fishermen? Hey. Oh, right, wake up and smell the coffee. What happened is a kid spotted us last night when we were sleeping. He, he got up, he went to the garbage can, he took the body, and, and then he, he... Buried him in the backyard. Let's get out of here. I like this. I hate cul-de-sacs. There's only one way out in the people kind of it. Making ladies. I love Dick Miller's last line there when he says, I hate cul-de-sacs. There's only one way out and the people are weird. And then he runs into Bonnie and he goes, there's naked ladies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So during this actual clip that we just played there, Bonnie ends up finding Walter's dog. And it looks like Queenie's been running around and kind of fending for herself. She's all dirty and she's like a little poodle-like dog. So, or I don't know what type of dog, but she's got yeah, like a poodle, a, I think. Yeah. She's got like a poodle cut or some shit. And she's the kind of dog that's kept and shouldn't be rooting around in garbage and looking like she does. So something's clearly wrong. And she even ends up saying something about, you know, has anyone seen Walter have a spare 
key because Queenie apparently got out and she looks like she's hungry and she's concerned about the dog, which brings the entire group, including Ricky, to Walter's house when they're trying to figure out what's going on with the dog. So they decide to go ahead and investigate Walter's house, which prompts Rumsfeld to break into Walter's house. It looks like he just cuts a section of glass out of a window, like a larger window that was big enough for him to reach in and then crawl into the house. Well, yeah, he has that kind of equipment. Yeah, he even says, soldier's way, saves the day. (laughs) (laughs) When he's got the glass there, he's holding on to it and everything. But I just want to point out that everything that they do from the point that he cuts the window to get into Walter's house is highly illegal. These people are breaking so many laws. That's breaking and entering. And they all enter, so they're all complicit. Yeah. (laughs) They don't even leave somebody outside for a watch. They just decide to go searching through Walter's house because they believe that they're in the right. Yeah. Total fool's errand here. But they go rummaging through Walter's house, and this includes Art attempting to steal things. First, he grabs a lighter. He lights up a cigar in Art's house and starts smoking like he owns the place, like an asshole, and then pops Walter's lighter into his pocket. And Ray, being the moral center of this group, yells at him and says, do you want to not steal that from Walter's house? I love how Ray justifies it. He's like, what's the matter? All this stuff is going to end up in a flea market anyway. Yeah. (laughs) What a dick. Watching it this time around, I really started hating Art. And I usually enjoy him. He makes me laugh, you know? Yeah. Because he's such a reprehensible jerk. (laughs) Do do taking notes for movies kind of ruin movies sometimes? Sometimes. Because you are watching it so close. Yeah. And I'm looking for things to talk about. And I'm writing down what's happening. And I might notice things because I'm trying to watch it with a more critical eye. Now, when I go back and watch it after I'm done with the notes, not there anymore. I may notice some things and I may point some stuff out, you know, that I never noticed before. But like the way that I feel towards the characters, if it gets changed and I don't enjoy them and I hate them on screen, yeah, it goes back to the way it was. Like the next time we watch this, which will probably be when we're done talking about it. How did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> I was just thinking, of like, can we put this on the projector after we're done? Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll play the new Arrow Blu-ray that I imported for us in the Steelbook. Yeah, because watching the DVD of Sarah's was not cool. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm sorry it looks so that. bad. Well, the Blu-ray on the projector is going to look amazing. And that's what I watched downstairs, and I only watched it on the TV for the notes, and it looked great. So. Yeah, because this is making me want to watch it. I did kind of work through it, which I probably <gasps> should have. I mean, I had to. <laughs> I know. Because you work for a slave driver. I work for a slave driver. <laughs> All right, so there are definitely some clear signs of something wrong, some type of foul play. The TV's on, playing a kick-ass Bella Lugosi movie. Chairs knocked over and just kind of sitting there. Some things are still on in the house. Just doesn't seem right. Something seems wrong about what's going on with Walter's house. Bonnie is looking for food for the dog because her only concern is take care of the little puppy. Right. And she goes wandering into the kitchen wondering if there's some food in there. Bonnie screams seeing Walter's toupee on the stove. Then everyone's like, bingo, Walter's corpse. <laughs> and did you notice they all get this like morbid little grin on their face like, yeah, we're going to see a dead body now. <laughs> well, I think they're looking for something to... To justify them breaking into his house, maybe? Yeah, well, that and the Kopex, yeah. Yeah, to prove that the Kopex might have done something, or the Kopex might have done something. Yeah. And I have to admit, seeing it in the film, seeing it the way that it is, you actually do think that it looks like a rat the way that they positioned it out on the stove. Yeah. And as Rumsfeld points out, one thing that these old guys never do is leave their hair behind. And another thing is, why would you leave it on the stove? That's something Art 
Bart says, right? He's like, who leaves their toupee on a stove? Yeah. Yeah, It's really bizarre, but that's one of the things that makes them think that maybe there is some more foul play going on. Ricky ends up coming crashing through the door after he was upstairs while Art is holding on to a plate of cookies because Art is Art. He's going to steal food from everybody (laughs) without even a concern. And uh, this ends up causing the plate to get smashed, which then triggers Ray's sense of moral outrage at everything that they're doing. And he feels guilty, yelling about how they're breaking laws and they're destroying parts of the house. So he starts shoving everyone out of Walter's house and decides that he's going to take care of Queenie. I saw some outtakes on that and how many times it took them to get that right for him to come through the door and the plate to break. Be there just right. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. I don't know how many takes it did, but yeah. (laughs) A little trivia about my wife. She loves outtakes. She loves flubs. Yes, I do. (laughs) But the thing you love the most is gag reels. That's like your favorite thing in the entire world. Oh, yeah. On a movie. Particularly whenever it's a comedy gag reel because you've got comedians who ham it up when they mess up. Yeah, everybody loves that. Who does not like outtakes or, or, or gag, gag reels? reels? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I can honestly tell you that I didn't appreciate them as much as I would watching them with you because of the way you laugh when you see them. Oh, it's wonderful. Because you have the best laugh. (laughs) I can watch those all day long. (laughs) All right. So he leaves a note that he has Queenie and it sounds an awful lot like a ransom note. He's like, Walter, we have your dog. Your window was broken because we thought that. And then he scrunches that up and throws it away. And he's like, Walter, I have your dog. That's like the worst note. It's the worst note. It'd be like, Walter, we found your dog wandering the neighborhood i am taking care of it let me know when you need it back you know you you can have it back when you want it or something you know <laughs> that doesn't sound very good either you can have it back when you want it walter your dog was found wandering the neighborhood please come pick it up when you can yeah. is that better yeah you should have spent a little bit more time but that's what makes it funny <laughs> walter i have your dog if you ever want to see it again does he even sign his name? Yeah. He does say his name, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it definitely sounds threatening. And I think he's just so flustered. He doesn't realize what he's doing, basically. Yeah. It does. It sounds like a ransom note, which he then slips both Walter's toupee and the note through the mail slot. When he does this, he notices that one of the Klopaks is staring out of a window, pushing out a rusty, dirty ass bug screen on the window. You know, you remember that? No. He's holding up a screen. There's like a rusty, shitty fucking bug screen that's on the top window up there. Uh-huh. He's holding it out of his way so he can look out. <laughs> oh, no, I never noticed that. Yeah. And he looks down, he's looking down, and then he drops it and it falls down, and that makes him disappear kind of behind it. It's like this weird, hmm. like a window screen, like to keep bugs out, but it's all rusty and broken, and he's pushing it out of the way anyway. Weird. But because he notices him there, and uh, Ray sees him up there, and then he disappears, Ray shouts out Mr. Klopak or something like that, trying to get his attention, but the guy just ignores him and goes behind that and disappears when he tries to say hello. The guy stares at him too with no response for a little bit before he just disappears. They cut from this to Ray and Art are in the basement, and that leads to our next clip. Art, you had a dream you were going to win the lottery and you blew $500. Oh, oh, I can't believe you're still bringing that up. I had a dream a plane was going to crash, so he took the bus to Las Vegas. If I'd have been on the plane, it would have crashed. And it doesn't matter. This wasn't a dream. This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, look, the world is full of these kind of things. Look at this. Black masses... Mutilations? Mutilations! The incubus, the succubus? I'm telling you, Walter was a human sacrifice. 
I should have gone to the lake. I should have listened to Carol. I should listen to your wife. Who listens to their wife? Listen, you got to listen to me. You know what the deal is? What we got to do is we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. No, no. We got to then we got to go to the market. We got to get ourselves a couple of those big strings. You know they string that garlic. A couple big strings of garlic. We got to get ourselves some fresh lamb's blood. And then we got to. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ray, you're chanting. Ray. Ray, look. Ray. Unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray, you're chanting. Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Satanists, huh? Ritual killers. Nice. Very, very nice. So let me get this straight. The Klopex are offering up Walter as a sort of human sacrifice to Beelzebub, is that it? That's one of the theories, yeah. Great. Great. So, this is your relaxing week at home, huh? Oh, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Week in Jonestown. Where are you going? The bathroom. Relax. I love the line delivery that uh, she does there. Yeah. <laughs> on the relax yeah i'm just going to the bathroom relax <laughs> art's got him all worked up and you notice some of the things that art was suggesting he, he thinks he's fighting vampires not satanists well he says yak's blood no, that's lamb's Satan, blood he or says, lamb's blood he says yeah. we got to get some fresh lamb's blood but he says some cloves of garlic he needs to get strings of garlic mm-hmm. <laughs> something about a religious supply store <laughs> he knows a guy who can get him holy water wholesale or something like that <laughs> I think art is a compulsive liar because there's plenty of things that art says that aren't actually true. That turns out to be a complete and total lie later. later well, yeah, he's kind of like a know-it-all kind of. A th- yeah, but yeah. I, I also think he's a compulsive liar because he says things that aren't even 100% true at all. Hmm. Like, he's clearly lying about all this shit. He's just like trying to egg Ray on because he doesn't like the Klopex and he's suspicious that they're doing something. You know, <laughs> first they're killers and now they're Satanists that are sacrificing people. Right. <laughs> but after this, we see that Ray is flipping through the channels and he's watching some movies. The first one pops up as Race with the Devil, which has a really interesting sacrificial scene there with the woman. And I know it annoys you. I say it every time what movie it is when it pops up. I That's actually the only note I actually wrote down. I'm like, every time we watch this, Court tells me every single movie that's on here. <laughs> Even I think, isn't there one just like a trailer and you're like, yep, that's this and that's that. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I said, okay, honey. Yeah, I know, sweetie. Thank you. Because I'm yep, like, I'm you little, know it. I'm like a little kid who's super excited. Oh, and that's this movie. And that's this movie. And you're like, I know, sweetie. We watched this a hundred times and you've told yeah. me a hundred times. It was really, really cool the first time. <laughs> Maybe a little impressive, maybe the second time. But now it's like the 500th time. Yeah. And I still don't remember. You keep on saying it. I'm like, yep. (laughs) Maybe it has something to do with the fact that we party a little bit together when we watch this movie sometimes. Oh, now. Yeah. Well, we have, this is kind of a thing that we, we, I mean, even in college when we watched it. So yeah, might have something to do with it. On VHS. (laughs) Yeah. Running it from Giant Eagle. Yeah. (laughs) So it's the. The channels when he's flipping through, it's Race with the Devil, then The Exorcist, and then it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And I think that's the part where it's actually 
the way that he busts through the wall isn't in the actual movie in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's in the trailer for it, I think, is the one that, I, that you're referring to that I said before. Oh, okay. Because the shot from The Exorcist is definitely from the movie, and I'm pretty sure that the race with the devil and all that might be from the trailer, too, because the boobs are blurred out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. I think it's blurred out in the movie, too. I think they just did that because they wanted to get a lower rating or something. I can't really recall 100% why. Yeah, they are blurred. Yeah, which I'm very sad about. I yeah. was really looking. <laughs> I did actually pay more attention to it. <laughs> You're like, do we see boobs? Because I know Cord always likes to thank the movie when there's boobs in it. <laughs> no boob rating for this movie. <laughs> I don't do boob ratings. I just thank the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go, thank you, movie. <laughs> Matt does a boob rating. <laughs> Matt may rate the boobs, but I don't let him do it on the show. Oh. He can do that in his head. That's a secret he can keep in his brain. <laughs> All right, so watching these three horror films after being concerned that his neighbors may be Satanists, this causes him to have a nightmare, which is probably the most amazing sequence in the film and is my absolute favorite. <laughs> yeah, it is your favorite. Yeah, and there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that in the last segment of the film, but... I remember the first time you watched this, how excited you were. You're like, <laughs> oh my God. Well, there's a reason for that, for this particular sequence as well, too. Yeah. Because, And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So uh, in this dream, the sequence, he's running down the staircase and he sees a chainsaw come through the wall. He ends up jumping off the stairs to get away from that chainsaw. And it's humongous the way it goes through the wall at him. And then he's standing in front of his fireplace and then a ton of smoke starts billowing out of the bottom of this fireplace, obscuring his feet as he's standing there. And then all of a sudden sort of dissolves where like the smoke transported him through the flu network, maybe Harry Potter style. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> he didn't say it right. So he showed up wrong and went diagonally instead of diagon alley. <laughs> He then is grabbed and stretched across a barbecue. And it never really made sense. Like, why are they dragging him across a barbecue? But that's because of a cut scene. I read about that earlier when I was preparing stuff for the film. Apparently, oh. it's it's in the trailer, too, where he has an accident with a barbecue where he's trying to repair the barbecue and he's going to use it. Yeah. And a big flame happens and he, like, burns off his eyebrows or something. Oh, like really? That they cut yeah. that out? Yeah, but they cut it out. They removed it from the film because he had some kind of weird mishap with a barbecue. And that's why the barbecue is something that he obsessed with. Oh, okay. You know, um, it's an extreme. Yeah, but that's why the cultists are dragging him across it. But you never think twice about it where he's on a giant barbecue. No, you're just a like, dream. I don't yeah, know. It's just a dream sequence. So you're like, whatever. It's, you know, it's a Midwestern guy. Of course he's going to barbecue. So there you go. <laughs> I think he's a guy. They barbecue. Sometimes. It's normal. Sometimes when they're forced to barbecue by their wife. Yes. <laughs> or grill. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, and that's going to drive Matt nuts if he actually listens to this episode, because it's a grill. They drag him across the grill. A barbecue is what you smoke, apparently, when you smoke meats. He's Are you sure? Yeah, he's a stickler for that. Okay, let's let's make sure we rate it in then. <laughs> rate it home. Yeah, because he's going to drive us nuts with that. It's you a grill. S- it's a grill, not barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah. Satanic cultists, which I love these outfits. I want to build one of those. Uh, it's like the same kind of robes that they were wearing when they were digging the supposed graves in the backyard. Oh, yeah. But they have pentagrams on them, both on the front and the back, and little fucking goat horns sticking out of the hoods. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they were the greatest thing ever. I love those things. Uh, they're dragging him across the barbecue. They tie him down. In the background, I noticed this time around when I was recording the clip, you can actually hear Art chanting, I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is their pal. Yeah. I think I've noticed that before, but it was really prominent this time when I was recording it. And that's playing in the background when they're dragging him across there. And then the young Klopek has a chainsaw and he's just holding it there with it revving up like just staring at him didn't you use that clip um when you were in the band yes yeah i I would get a crowd to chant i want to kill everyone before we played our last song yeah i really enjoyed that (laughs) 
<laughs> Did you enjoy how everybody was freaked out by me trying no. to get them to chant, I want to kill everyone? Well, I was freaked out by you playing because you're <laughs> scary. But... <laughs> Oh. I like that part because it was part of my favorite movie. Yeah. I, I guess I was kind of aggressive when I was in the band. Yeah. I think every, <laughs> once you guys start, like everybody was really close to you guys. And once you started, everybody backed up. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. <laughs> usually people move forward to a band. Everybody just started like backing up. And it was usually a semicircle around where I was at. <laughs> yeah. Give this man some room. <laughs> Clearly, he has issues he needs to work out. Let's give him a Gigi Allen bubble. Yeah. <laughs> or when you did karaoke in college, and you, I think you were singing a Sex Pistols song. Yeah, I was doing Sid Vicious cover of My Way. I, yeah. The same thing happened. Everybody started backing up. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> It was great. You had a great voice, Eddie. But man, yeah, you looked like you were going to like attack anybody. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, Those were the days. Not anymore. I'm a well-adjusted Midwesterner. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have those aggressive tendencies anymore. You you mow the lawn. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm afraid that if I mow the lawn too much, I'm going to snap like Ray and everybody else. Oh, that's true. Yeah. See, I'm I'm trying to save us all, Beth. (laughs) All right, so back to the movie here. Um, we then see Walter and his dog standing in a trash can, and they both have axes in the middle of their foreheads, which is the greatest thing ever. I love that part. Yeah, the mini axe. Yeah, in, and then the dog's head. It's so cute. Yeah. And we never noticed that before until you got to see it, at least on DVD, that's when you got to see it a little bit better, because watching it on VHS, it was never very that clear. Well, no, and our TVs are tiny yeah. in college. <laughs> tiny TVs on watching yeah. VHS. How good we have it now these days. I know. <laughs> Um, and I love the fact that they're in a trash can and so we get a reemergence of Dick Miller and he's like, oh, I bet that hurts. I'm not picking that up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I actually bought us the Fright Rag shirts of that where he's prominently in the middle and Bev is actually wearing hers right now as we record. I wore it all day long, even to work. Because <laughs> awesome. you're super excited. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so Art ends up showing up and he's apparently pretending to be Skip and he says, hey, hey, who ordered the blood shake? <laughs> and Fright Rags made another shirt of that too that I bought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we see the older Klopek, which we've uh, seen earlier, who was staring out the window at Ray. He's standing over top of Ray, holding onto a knife in a cultist outfit, and then just screams, mind your own business, over and over again, as he pulls the knife back like he's going to sacrifice Ray. And right before he plunges it, Ray screams out, okay. And then they dissolve into Mr. Rogers singing, won't you be my neighbor? Fucking beautiful sequence, man. Yeah, that was awesome. It's such a great fucking sequence. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> Beautiful day in the neighborhood. I usually yell at Matt when he sings, but I'll let you go because oh, you have a much nicer you know, voice. I like to sing. You're at least on key when you sing, too. <laughs> You're not tone deaf. All right. So after this, we see Ray is kind of catatonic. He's just wandering around the house, drinking, just kind of looking like he's not there anymore. Yeah, like, he takes like weird sips of his orange juice. It's yeah. like <laughs> tiny little like micro tips. Yeah, he's like, doing baby sips and he's just kind of, yeah. he's got that thousand yard stare like he just got done with a battle and he's just not there anymore. Yeah. Like like Ray's been left behind, folks. He's not there. <laughs> and uh, right after that, we see both Art and Rumsfeld kind of wander on over and they have a plan that they want Ray to help out 
for. But Carol starts acting like a mom and tells them that Ray is not allowed to come out. And they say, please, Carol, can you let him come out? <laughs> They're acting like little kids and stomping at the ground. And she's like, no, he can't come out until he resembles the man I was married. <laughs> and then they tell her they don't have that kind of time. Yeah, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I have given you my answer. I love that line when she's yeah. yelling at him. And then they kick the ground and they go wandering off like little kids. Yeah. The actors do such a wonderful job with that scene. It's so cute and so funny. <laughs> That's when Rumsfeld and Art decide that they're going to leave a note under the side door of the Klopex house and do a ding-dong ditch. And I love how they have to dare each other and they both have to be holding, like one's holding the other's hand and they're pushing the button together. Yeah, together, yeah. <laughs> they're acting like two little kids. It's so funny. And uh, they do the ding-dong ditch and all the while that this is happening, Ray is in the backyard just kind of taking a nap and his dog is digging at the fence that it goes between the Klopex property and his. And that's when Ray comes in and wakes him up. He startles him and then tells him what they have just done. They just put that note in there. And that causes Ray to freak the hell out because Art has left a note and the Klopex had seen him put a note into the mail slot. Now he says, I slipped a note under the door, but he actually slipped it in the mail slot and Art's the one who slipped it under the door. Right. But I think what Ray's getting at is he saw me leaving a note, so they're going to suspect me. Right. And then Ray's like, but now they know that we know that they know that we know. It's great. You know, and Art's just trying to smooth things out and not doing a very good job. And then we see the freak out where he grabs the beer cans and smashes them because he's angry. Yeah. <laughs> the first of the two, actually, he's got a lot of them. Looks like he decided to take a nap in the sun to get the tan his wife told him to do. Yeah, there's like six beer cans there or something. At least six beers. And they're like the pint cans, too. They're not the tiny ones. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're at least a pint. They're not like Foster's beer cans, which is shitty beer that's, you know, in a giant fucking can that gets exported from Australia because they won't drink it. I've never actually tried that before, so I can't. Don't. Don't say. drink it. Yeah. Don't drink it. I've been told by at least two different people from Australia, don't go near Which it. Australia did you say that? <laughs> the which Australian? Which? Yeah. Which? Which? Which, which one? Yeah. W-Y-C-H witch. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Of the doomsday clock witch. <laughs> Yay, you got your favorite joke to tell on the air. I did. Yeah. Sorry. He's going to love that, too. Is he? <laughs> I, I told him. So. Yeah. Did you tell him I do that? Oh yeah. Oh. He laughed. He thought okay. so. He thought it was hilarious. Oh, well, let's see here. <laughs> While they're having this argument about that, the dog ends up bringing the leg bone, which Art throws at first, thinking the dog just wants to play fetch. And then when the dog brings it back, and they're having their freak out and their screaming match at each other, he looks down at it and realizes that it's a bone. And then he says to Ray, "Do you realize what this is? Yeah, it's a bone." He's like, "Yeah, but that's not just any bone. It's a femur. You know what that is?" And he's like, "What? It's a human leg bone, Ray." And he goes. I think this might be Walter's leg or something like that. I think you love this scream thing that they do where they're losing it and they're screaming back and forth and the camera zooms in and out. Is that, is that when they scream? Yeah, because they're like, yeah. ah, and the camera's oh, zooming yeah. and they're holding on to the leg bone. And then Art settles down and then grabs Walt, yeah. er, grabs Ray's Art, arm. Yeah. Art, Ray. Art, yeah, Art. No, Art actually is the one who grabs Ray's arm yeah. because Tom Hanks is doing his screaming thing and he looks around like, all right, they might know that we know something now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so corny, but it works. It's really funny. That scream fast actually ends up getting interrupted, and I think Art's the one that notices it. One of the Klopeks goes walking through the fence, and that's when he grabs his oh, arm to right. calm him down. Yeah. And then the Klopek ends up tossing a piece of paper back over the fence onto Ray's property, which Art walks over and picks up, trying to smooth it out. He's like, hey, it might be a receipt. Maybe he's a litter bug, just trying to yeah. pretend like it's anything, but everybody knows exactly what it is. He goes, no, it's my note. It's definitely my note. <laughs> 
<laughs> to which uh, this causes Ray to freak out even more, and he decides to run back into his house. But as he's doing that, Carol is exiting the house, and he takes the screen door right to the bridge of his nose, which causes a bit of a couple fight, which he then settles down when he grabs the beer cans, smashes them, and throws them to the ground. And I love, <laughs> I love her line delivery there when she goes, you feel better now that you crushed some cans where it's totally a wife thing Yeah, where a wife's like, you look ridiculous. You you feel better now that you had this macho display. You look ridiculous. You feel better that you crushed the beer cans. <laughs> and that actually leads to our next clip. Well, I think it's time that we all stop acting like kindergartners. Don't you, Ray? Yes, Carol. Now, before somebody falls off a roof or sets themselves on fire, I think we should go over there, knock on their door, and invite ourselves in for a nice neighborly chat. Get to know these people like we should have done a month ago. That's a good idea. And I'll make brownies. That's a great idea. And while you keep them busy, I'll... You're not invited. Tomorrow, Carol. To relax. Yeah, we'll probably find out more in five minutes of friendly chat than you guys can in a month of snooping around. Okay, now, everybody just act normal. Yoo-hoo, it's Carol Peterson from next door. There's all the goddamn brownies. Oh, hi. Uh, welcome to Mayfield Place. We're your neighbors. We brought dessert. Uh, is your mother home? There you go, Sonny. A little something for the old sweet tooth. Can't believe you lived here a whole month and we haven't come by to say hello. Well, I'm I'm your neighbor, Ray Peterson, and that's my wife, Carol, and that's Bonnie. This is uh Brumsfield's the name. I don't think I caught yours, Sonny. Hans. Hans. Oh, oh, fine Christian name. Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> what are you Catholic? Oh, pretty girl. Friend of yours? No, it's came with the frame. It came with the frame? Yes. Oh, is this the daddy? Oh, he startled me. My uncle Ruben. Well, how do you do? You are the one who lives next door. Uh, why don't we get some coffee, Bonnie? Uh, I'll do it. You say we all sit down for a little of the old face-to-face, -face. eh, what, Rube? You're in there, all right. We're all just standing around. Oh, great. Uh, don't worry, you guys, I can get this. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, I, I really appreciate your help. Really no problem. Do. You know, just be careful, though. I mean, it's pretty dangerous with the trip down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks. Thanks for your advice. What? what? Hey, be Watch careful. I'm watching. Did you make it? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. Just, just throw me over the tools. <laughs> sure was damp today. Yes, I just can't seem to do anything with my hair. Sardine? I'm trying to cut back. Sardine? Um, so, uh, how are you enjoying Hinkley Hills? We just love it, don't we? Yeah. Opec. What is that, Slavic? No. Oh, about a nine on the tension scale, Rube. How do you like living here so far, huh? Pretty comfortable house, ain't it? Good solid walls. Good solid floors. Oh. Somebody tied up in the old cellar, have you, Rube? So, <laughs> just you and Unc living here in the house. Is that it, Sonny? No. Oh, please, uh, this is a small family. Me, the young boy, and my brother, the doctor. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have a doctor in the neighborhood? Uh, you know, I think it's great that you've been able to stay with all the original wood. I, I, I was never over here when the Naps lived here. Oh, unfortunate for the Naps. You know, it's funny, but I don't ever remember seeing a moving van out front, Rube. I don't know. 
understand that it was parked outside all day. Say, uh, how, how is uh, the drainage on, on your property here? I know when it rains at our house, boy, the <laughs> basement just floods right over. Basement? Ray comes up with a winning idea. Maybe we should go down and take a look in the basement. Maybe that was brother down there tapping on the ceiling a couple minutes ago. Who knows? What kind of doctor is this brother of yours, Rube? Why don't you ask him yourself? Ah, we have guests. Sort of. My brother, the doctor. Werner Klope. Nice to meet you. Oh, pardon my God. Okay, so the Dr. Klopek has a strange red substance that we are led to believe may be blood on his hands, but it turns out that it is just paint, and then the doctor is the one who smooths things over. Rube has no social skills, nor does he give any fucks. He wants these people out of his house. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> About a nine on the tension scale there, Rube. <laughs> I, love, I love the line where she's like, you know, we never really talked with the naps. We never even got to say goodbye. And he's like, how unfortunate for the naps. <laughs> he's like just throwing in all these barbs at them where he's just literally like, get out of the house. Yeah. And the, the youngest Klopek is just terrified of everyone. He looks like he's worried someone's going to hit him at any minute all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he shakes his hand and we find out that that's just paint and that he does some type of art where he does some paintings and things like that. But his art is based on his medical practice. Now, that painting that uh, Rumsfeld keeps screwing with in the film later on, I read some trivia about this while I was kind of just preparing clips and things, just looking around to see if there's anything interesting to talk about. Yeah. That painting was used in the old TV show Night Gallery that Rod Sterling did after the Twilight Zone. Huh. They would have a story that would, like, they would have a painting that would be done, and then they would tell a story that had something to do with that painting. And That's it, cool. it got reused here. And I always remember staring at that in the movie and being like, that is a really detailed and beautiful painting. Yeah, but, it's pretty neat. But why would anybody paint a surgery? Now I know. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I was like, what the fuck is up with the surgery painting? Because most artists don't want to paint open heart surgeries or... <laughs> I don't know. Why not? <laughs> All right. That's why I married her, folks. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah. All right. So while this is going on, Art is in the back exploring the yard and digging around. And he actually is looking in like a, a culvert that leads into one of the basement windows where he finds an old comb, checks all of the teeth, then puts it into his pocket because he's a fucking jerk. <laughs> well, he's a thief. <laughs> and, and kind and of maybe a, he's just a hoarder. We never yeah. see his house. Yeah. He's kind of a scumbag, too, because who picks up a comb from somebody's culvert? <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> and, just, weird. and just checks it and is like, I'll keep it, whatever. You know, he's just art's all sorts of weird. So there you go. And then we see the doctor smoothing things over even further, trying to explain what's going on, how he works at the university. They all keep odd hours. They move around a lot. And he's really trying to make them feel more welcome. All the while, Rumsfeld just keeps turning that painting around as if he's going to see some kind of a secret other than it's just a surgery with doctors and instruments. Yeah. I don't think the first time I watched it um, knew actually what the painting really was. Yeah, I think the the higher resolution stuff or seeing it at least on DVD and then when we finally got a Blu-ray of it when I got it from... I think I got a umbrella blu-ray first and then i realized that arrow video restored it yeah with 2k and scans and as soon as i knew that existed you're like but we have it on blu-ray do we need it any better and i was like yes yeah. <laughs> do we have like three or four copies of this i think so because i think we bought like a dvd set for other movies that had tom hanks in them and the burbs was in there as well mm, i don't I mean, remember I and mean, we might have two copies of the burbs but i remember making sure i got the best copy i could for you every time <laughs> Because it's your favorite movie, and I love you. Thank you, honey. <laughs> 
All right, so he keeps turning the painting, trying to find some kind of a secret. And then the doctor says something along the lines of that they have had to move four times in the last four years because of his work at the universities and things like that. And Rumsfeld just keeps doing accusation after accusation of them, trying to say all these different things and trying to dig stuff out because he refuses to believe that they're just strange people living next door. Like he thinks something else has to be up. And that culminates with him just doing a loud declaration of what have you got in the cellar? hair clopec yeah <laughs> ray says something about having to go to the bathroom and then he opens a door thinking that it's going to be the bathroom but it actually leads to the cellar and that lets out a giant great dane which uh rumsfeld immediately goes you have a horse in the basement <laughs> something you keep those. a horse in the basement yeah, you keep a horse in the basement because it's a giant great dane and the great dane being a watchdog basically goes barreling right out of the back of the house after art and art runs away from it he jumps the fence setting off the alarm which they have a ridiculous amount of floodlights in their backyard. Yeah. The Klopaks are serious about security, man. It's like the super loud alarm with these super bright lights that lights up the whole entire yard. Like, they are not fucking around. Did you look at those and say, that's what we should have? Kind of. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm paranoid. <laughs> Who said that? I don't know. <laughs> People been talking? What have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> the Klopaks are being very suspicious of Ray, wondering if Ray was doing this on purpose to distract them or what's going on after the alarm goes off. And they're all staring at them. And Ray is definitely convinced now that the Klopaks are up to something because he's staring them down as well. They don't say anything. They just kind of play it on the actors' faces. Then back at Ray's house, more arguments abound as everyone turns to Ray. Bonnie is yelling at her husband. Her husband is yelling at Carol. Carol's yelling at Art. Art's yelling at Carol. Carol and Art have at it. Bonnie and Rumsfeld have at it. They just keep going back and forth and then it, they all turn to Ray to try and basically be the moral center and the deciding factor because he's supposed to be the most understanding and skeptical one that would basically tell them, you know, yeah, everything's fine. And when they do, Ray's like, yeah, I think we're overreacting. Everything's fine. And he basically saying this to get Bonnie and Carol off the scent. And he says, can you please just give us a second here? The boys and I need to have a discussion, which causes a further fight between Art and Carol, which Ray then stops by taking those boys into the den to reveal the truth of the smuggled toupee. And I love the way that they do this, where they say, why don't you take your balls out of your purse? And he reaches up into his shorts right at his balls and pulls out the toupee. The line that Bruce Dern delivers with the look on his face is Rumsfeld where he's like, you had that in your trousers all day? Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. That always makes me bust up. And then Ray explains that he found it at the Klopex house. It was in a stack of magazines, which all had Walter's name on it. And he says that he had left it at Walter's place. And that's where he ended up finding it back at the Klopex. So he wants to know what's going on. The trio is now convinced that they are on the right track and something is definitely up at the Klopex and that they killed Walter. They know that the Klopex will be out the whole day because they're meeting at the university to find out if they're going to have to move again. So while they're going to be away all morning, this is where Ray is determined to find a dead body. He says they're going away and he's going to go in their yard and he's not going to leave until he finds a body. He is now a suburban vigilante. The Klopex are all off to their day's errands that following morning as the whole cul-de-sac watches and we see that Carol is getting into the car to go visit Evelyn, which 
which the way they say it, it sounds like it might be your sister. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then he says, because right after that, he tells his son, you know, be nice to your cousins. And his son totally hates his cousins. Yeah. <laughs> you can totally see Ray and his kid there, where his kid is finding everything wrong with the cousins. And he just doesn't want to admit it. Now, Carol knows that something is fishy because Ray hates golf. And he talks about how they're going to be golfing all day. And it totally doesn't help when Art comes over badly pretending that they're going to be golfing. He literally says, you might know glove I bought because we're going to be doing that much golfing. I don't want to get blisters because we're going to be golfing. Yes, he, he's dressed all in his <laughs> golf gear, too. He looks like a 1930s cartoon character yeah. going to golf. Like, he looks like he's about to run a foul of Bugs Bunny in the 1930s, you know? Yeah. He looks so ridiculous. It's just over the top. And then right after Carol leaves, like, she's not even all the way out of the cul-de-sac and he throws his hat and he takes it off and like, okay, I think we fold her. Let's go. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone. Carol's just had it with your shit. We then see Rumsfeld is all decked out in camo and Ricky starts inviting a whole shitload of friends. He's making calls and people are showing up because he has a feeling something is going to go down in the cul-de-sac. So he wants to have everyone there to watch. We then cut and see that Art got all dressed up like a utilities worker for some reason. I'm guessing that when he climbs up on the pole, no one will think twice about it if he's dressed like a utility worker. That's probably the reason why. Like it's urban camouflage, so yeah. no one will wonder what he's doing up there. He starts bragging once again about how he knows what he's doing when it comes to electricity, that it's easy. Art's a blowhard on top of being a compulsive liar. You know, when he's going over the fence, he's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm careful, blah, blah, blah. And then he falls and then they throw the fucking shovel and hit him in the head. Yeah. And now again, he's bragging about how he's got this and he knows what he's doing when he climbs up the fucking pole. And he clearly doesn't because instead of cutting an individual power line, looking specifically for the line going to the Klopex house like he should be, what does he do? He's at the whole neighborhood. Yeah. How does he do it? He cuts the line leading to the transformer. Yeah. Anybody knows anything about the fucking power poles knows you don't go anywhere near the giant fucking gray thing that big spirally wires are coming out of, right? You don't cut that one. You're going to fuck yourself up if you do. <laughs> He's such an idiot. <laughs> but this scene is hilarious. Yeah. Because he ends up shocking the hell out of himself when he does that. He falls down through the top of Ray's shed. And I love that they do the cartoon joke where it's a, an outline. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's an art-shaped outline in the hole. <laughs> Ray's shed. He comes out. His fingernails are black. He's kind of out of it. They give him some smelling salts. And then he talks about how his fillings are hot and then continues to keep touching his fillings with his fingers burning them. I love the little sizzle sound effect. Yeah, that's great. After they get the power cut out, they double-check the fence and make sure, yep, it's definitely out. And so Rumsfeld decides to get up on his roof to set up a communications center, a.k.a. have plausible deniability about everything these guys are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure He's that's... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Rumsfeld. You guys go ahead and do the trespassing and the destruction of private property. I'll be up here on my roof eating cookies. <laughs> and some of these, that's what I would do. I just, yeah, you guys go ahead. I'll be over here. I'll do communications and be a lookout. All right. So after he gets set up, he then tells them that they're clear to jump the fence to get into the backyard that no one is looking. It's the Red Rover, Red Rover, let Ray go over. Yeah. <laughs> Red Rover, let Red Rover, let Art go over. And so we then see that they have been digging and digging all day when they're on the other side of the fence. And one of the shots, we actually see that Art is just laying in a hole like the lazy asshole that he is as Ray does all of the digging. I get the feeling that Ray has done every single hole and Art has just been finding a way to get an excuse to not dig. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Art ends up talking Ray into checking the house because it's cooler in there. Not because he wants to find a body, not because he's positive that a body would be inside the house, because it's getting too hot for him outside, even just laying in a hole not doing anything. Hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if that's the whole... He does say, it's probably a lot cooler in there. He does. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think he's just making an excuse because he's uncomfortable. It's like he wants to find the stuff and he wants to be the hero, but he doesn't want to do any of the work. That's why he goads everybody else into it. Yeah. All right. So they try to jimmy the door open with a credit card. First, they're going to use one of Art's, but they're all burnt because... Art's an asshole who <laughs> cut the power line to a transformer. I love that, too, where he tries to pull one out and they're all melted together. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then Ray decides to use one of his, and it looks like it was a charge card. I didn't know if it was Sears or JCPenney. I can't really remember, but yeah. it might have even been a fake store, but it wasn't an actual credit card. It was one of the store credit cards that you would have back in the late 80s and stuff. He goes to Jimmy. That still th- exists. People still have store credit cards, honey. I know, but you don't really have a store credit card as much as you used to anymore. Like Sears and JCPenney's are pretty much all gone. Like department stores and having a credit card for department stores, they're not really around anymore. I don't know. When's the last time you actually went to a mall and shopped at a department store like that? I've probably been there this year. Are you sure? JCPenney's? Yeah? Yeah, I probably bought something. Oh, I don't know too many. They're failing really bad. Are they? Yeah, both of them are going out of business and declaring bankruptcy and shit. Like, they're disappearing all over the place, even in malls. Malls themselves are in trouble. Yeah, they don't do it very often, but... Well, that's why they're failing. Nobody has the credit cards anymore. (laughs) Anything to prove my point. Yes. <laughs> All right, so he tries to jimmy the lock with the credit card, and did you notice that he goes for the deadbolt? No, I didn't notice that. <laughs> you, you know why that won't work, right? Yes. <laughs> I think I think anybody who knows anything about a deadbolt knows why you can't jimmy a deadbolt with a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he snaps it in the door, like half of it. And then uh, Art being Art says, eh, it was a crappy store anyway. <laughs> um, Ray has had enough of this shit and Art saying that about the crappy store drives him over the edge. So he just grabs some like potted plant and uses the potted plant and breaks out the fucking glass in the window, then reaches inside. And the whole time, this is where Ray flips and Art's like, Ray, this is breaking. And now you're entering. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, you're breaking and entering. And when Art is telling you you should probably slow down you're breaking the law you've gone too far yeah <laughs> so they enter the house and all the while Ricky continues to pressure Rumsfeld to find out what's going on um, he's asking him a bunch of questions and we see that while this is happening Ray heads on down to the basement and then more and more of Ricky's friends are showing up as one asks Rumsfeld what's going on Rumsfeld demands that Ricky get this lame out of his yard <laughs> And I think you love that part where Ricky goes, Yay, Lamo, get out of my yard, Lamo, and yeah. just keeps driving it home. <laughs> you get the feeling that Ricky is watching these guys and laughing at them? Like, he doesn't actually think they're, they're very cool? Oh, no. I think he thinks that they're cool. Really? Yeah. You think he looks up to Art because they're drinking beer together? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of which one he actually looks up to the most. Uh, Rumsfeld, I think. Certainly towards the end of the film, he seems to really be like, Rumsfeld is awesome. Yeah. And I think it might be because he really likes that uh, Bonnie Rumsfeld has no tan lines. I think probably. He's, he's probably like, good work, Rumsfeld. I want to be like you when I get older. Probably. <laughs> I want to have a woman that's old, like, young enough to be my daughter. Daughter is what he's getting at. But anyway, um, Ricky demands that the lame get out of his yard upon Rumsfeld's prompting. All the while, this is my favorite. I love where this like macho fucking guy with all these fucking guns and his ex-military and is an arms dealer is sitting on his roof, eating animal crackers, soaking them in what looks like a thing of milk. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> he just, he's nibbling on them all tenderly and stuff with the animal crackers. And that's going to lead us to our next clip. Right. Look at the size of this furnace. This thing's got to be 80 years old. Geez, these old places have got to be held to heat, huh? Well, this house isn't that big. What the hell does he need a furnace like this for? You know, I think there's been some modifications on this because this conduit is brand new. 
look, it runs all the way back over there and up through a hole in the ceiling. I saw some of that in their living room. And a thermostat on a, on a home furnace, is that supposed to go to 5,000 degrees, you think? Must be what all the noise was. Look at all the stuff they put together down here. They, they got this whole place wired with batteries. There's gotta be 40 of them. Look, we got, we got power here. This is no ordinary furnace. Mars, look. Look, I found it. That's loose dirt. I burned his body up in the furnace and then buried his bones right here. What do we do now? I'll call in and tell him that they built a crematorium down no, here. No, don't tell him that. I'll just want to come down. Just wait till we find something. Ray, that could take all night. <laughs> I love how Art is so lazy. He just wants to go home. He doesn't even care anymore. He's like, Ray, that could take all night. It doesn't matter if it could take all night. They're trying to find a body. They're trying to get rid of these killers in their neighborhood. But Ray, I want to go home and get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> There's a neighbor's fridge I haven't raided yet. I got to do it before my wife comes home. <laughs> Well, during that clip, we actually see that Rumsfeld gun ends up sliding whenever the furnace kicks up. It sends a vibration through the whole neighborhood in the cul-de-sac there, and it causes Rumsfeld's gun to start sliding down the roof. And then he goes to grab it. He's not really getting good footing. He just wants to make sure the gun doesn't fall. And it looks to me like right as he grabs it and he gets his footing, Ricky yells something up to him like, hey, Rumsfeld or whatever. And that startles Rumsfeld. And that's when he slips and falls off of the roof, causing his rifle to misfire and shoot out a car window. Is that his car or is that a neighbor's car? Uh, I don't know. It's somebody's car, but it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he falls on his back, the gun goes off. Everybody at Ricky's house is cheering and super happy about that. And Rumsfeld is just embarrassed as shit. And then they cut back and show that Art and Ray find dirt, a dirt floor basically, and they start digging it up as Ricky tells Rumsfeld that they knocked out the power to the entire block. Now Rumsfeld's back up on the roof and he's not looking happy. He looks like he's in a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky says something about you knocked power out to the whole block, probably the whole south part of town. And he's happy about it. He thinks it's awesome. All his friends are having a good time. And then Ricky's celebrating and Ricky's friend says that he's going to take off. He needs to go pick up some Mickey D's. You want anything? He says, no, no, don't leave. You, you don't have to leave. The best part. I got the pizza dude. The pizza dude's coming. And then they all celebrate and they're high-fiving about a pizza dude. Like they're super excited about the pizza dude. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? I'm, fuck, I could have a pizza dude show up right now and be happy so <laughs> then the clopex pull up in their car they see a bunch of stuff going on that the power's out and they have a feeling something's happening then they back away we don't see them come back for a little bit then we're back to ray ends up hitting a metal casing while he's digging and this is funny too he's digging in the slop he's digging in all this sludge and it's clearly nasty awful stuff all the while ray's doing all the digging art is up there ray who but us would dig this deep through this kind of sludge i mean no one's gonna dig this deep any excuse he can just to have this be over with. Yeah. Ray, we don't, we, we should just go. And Ray's just fucking going nuts, determined to find something. He hits some type of metal casing, which they immediately assume is some type of a crypt. And they begin digging around it and looking for the edge of it. And they're digging all over the place, all super elated. And that's when they call Rumsfeld on the line and saying that they found Walter. They found Walter. They're freaking out. That's when Rumsfeld walks across the roof looking around. And then a car pulls up over to Walter's drive 
driveway and we see that Walter is very much alive and well. Uh, well, maybe not well because he doesn't look so good. His toupee's gone and he looks like he might be a little disheveled and uncomfortable, but he's very much alive. We then see Art come out of the house and he sees this, that Walter is actually alive. So he runs back in to tell Ray about this after Rumsfeld is calling on the radio saying, hey, uh, Walter's alive. But the whole time Ray's digging, he ends up burying the radio in that mud and that slop so he doesn't hear it. And he's pretty much around the bend too determined to dig up this dirt at this point. So he doesn't really know what's going on. As he's doing this digging, um, Art goes to head back into the house when he sees the police pulling up with the Clopex, which then Rumsfeld tries to warn him about while the radio gets buried. Art has Ricky trying to delay the police in the Clopex. The Clopex just move around Ricky. They don't even care. And then Ricky jumps on <laughs> the police car and just says, your officer, you have to help me. There's these people in my parents house and they're they're eating their food they're eating all the food <laughs> but the police are just there with the guy on the hood and they don't even really seem to care and that's when art makes it downstairs to yell to ray to get out and that's when ray ruptures a gas line it was a gas line they were digging at and he hit it with a pickaxe he starts coughing because the room is filling up with gas as soon as art shows up ray yells that i hit the gas line run and art makes it out he's out of the front of the house when a glorious explosion destroys destroys the house. It just lifts it up into pieces everywhere. Giant fucking fireball. Yeah. It was really great. And this also sends the lightning rod sailing up through the air and it lands right smack in the middle of the hood of the police car. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. That's pretty funny. They then realize that Ray did not make it out, but then they all are staring at the fire. They all notice that something's moving in there. He did, in fact, survive, but he wanders out of the house, all burnt up, and he's really beat up, too. Like, his eye is swollen. It looks like he broke an eye socket. Yeah. I think the explosion may have launched him through the house and against a wall, but out of the way of the fire where he doesn't get burned really badly. But I think he's concussed. I think he may have some broken bones and stuff, particularly in his face. Like, he looks like he's really fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like he got explosive damage more than, like, a burn. Like, it looks like it's concussive damage is what I'm getting at. But he's fucked up really bad. Yeah, I don't think he has any physical burn. Well, there's a couple spots where his clothes are singed and stuff, but nothing like you would get from being in an explosion like that. Yeah. He should be a lot more burnt than what he is for that. All right, right as this happened, Carol comes home to find the mess her husband has made, complete with lots of rubbernecking people staring at the accident, cops everywhere, ambulances everywhere. Carol ends up sneaking past the police barricade with the help of Ricky and his friends trying to sneak past <laughs> like a couple of jackasses. And one of the cops just gives up on her because she's an adult and he's got to worry about these kids being assholes. She runs right up to Ray and they embrace then we hear Art being extremely surly and talking shit to the cops as this is going on. And it turns out the Clopex were actually getting Walter's mail kind of on request from his family, maybe? Not sure exactly what. And Walter was in the hospital. He was having heart palpitations and he was concerned. So he called his daughter and son-in-law and they took him to the hospital and he's been in the hospital for the last few days. So we then see Ron Howard's dad is interrogating Ray. He's giving him the riot act as he's doing it and that leads to our next clip destruction of private property destruction of public property three counts of criminal trespassing harassment assault vandalism and that poor old man claims he's got a ransom note that says you kidnapped his dog do you hear me okay mr peterson i really do like your hair honey. you know this doesn't change a thing 
Oh, they may think it does. They may think they're off the hook, but they're not. No, no, they're not. Are they, Ray? No, go ahead. Tell them. Tell them. We got the goods on them, don't we? Oh, yeah, you know? You know, someday they're going to dig up the back of that yard, and they're going to find the rest of that skeleton to go with that femur. Oh, it might not be Walter, but it's going to be some poor Shut tortured... Up. Shut up, Art! Shut up! God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me! I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art. <laughs> you leave! Now, now, now! soldiers! You leave them alone! Get off their case already! They didn't do anything to us! They didn't do anything to us! All right, so they're different, so they keep to themselves! Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into their house and burn it down while they're gone for the day! Remember what you were saying about people in the burbs, Art? People like Skip? People who mow their lawn for the 800th time and then snap? Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking in through people's windows! We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires! We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid eyes! We're the lunatics! Us! It's not them! It's us. Yeah, I don't know what to say. What, do you want me to move? With that line, Ray then charges Art and starts trying to kick the living shit out of him. And they are broken up. And at one point, I think Art even actually bites Ray's broken finger. (laughs) Like, it's a really nasty fucking fight. But they get pulled apart. And then Ray's basically, like, had enough. He's completely around the bend. Full on paperclips moment. He goes, fuck this. Take me to the hospital. I'm sick. (laughs) When the EMTs don't respond fast enough, he grabs the gurney from the ground throws it into the ambulance charges up into the ambulance and just jumps onto the gurney he's like take me to the hospital i'm sick yeah that's awesome (laughs) i love that part it's so fucking funny i just lose it and uh, i actually a little bit of trivia i read he improvised that oh really where he throws it the the most hilarious part where he just throws it into the fucking ambulance and hops up in there that was an improvisation i'm sick take me to the hospital (laughs) it's just great well, anyway, um, he's just laying there, and I love how Carol tells him, Honey, I'm going to find out where they're taking you. <laughs> yeah, he's all calm. And I'll follow okay. you later. Okay, okay sweetie. Okay. It's good. Okay, he's just Carol. laying there. He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's just had enough. He's at his wits' end. Later on, just after this, Rube tries to get the kids off of his car. All of Ricky and his friends, including Ricky's girlfriend, are just sitting on the Klopex car. And he's like, Hey, you hip cats, get off my car. And Ricky's like, Look, dude, you should hang out with us. I got the pizza dude coming. <laughs> and at one point he's like you moron you some kind of idiot or something like that and we see right then and there after he's yelling at him that Dr. Klopek climbs into the ambulance and that actually leads us to our final clip oh Dr. Klopek huh? I'm so sorry you know Dr. Klopek when I get out of prison I'm gonna help you rebuild your house I'll even do some of the work myself. I have the the tools, you know. Carol's father just gave me a brand new set of tools. Do I look like an idiot, Mr. Peterson? No. Do you take me for an imbecile? No. You may have fooled the others, Mr. Peterson, but you don't fool me. Uh, if I fool the others? But you don't fool me. I don't? No, you don't. Am I missing something here, Doctor? Come now, Mr. Peterson. You were in my basement. Surely you looked in the furnace. Uh, I, I saw your furnace, Doctor, but I figured man's furnace is his own business. I... You saw one of my skulls, didn't you? Oh, yes. I know you did. 
it belonged to a neighbor of yours. Their name was Nap. We took the house from them. I offered to buy it. But you know how old people are. They grow so attached to things. Uh, you know, Dr. Klippick, I think I forgot my wallet. Uh I let you keep the femur. Now, now I want my skull. Or perhaps I might just take yours. Hans? They struggle as Hans drives the ambulance like a fucking jackass. I don't think Hans has ever driven anything before in his life. Well, he drove the car in the driveway. Yeah, but I mean, Rain Man got to drive the car on the driveway, but that doesn't mean he gets to drive an ambulance. That's true. (laughs) And only on Sundays, so there you go. (laughs) But he's driving it like an idiot, and then he crashes into Art's house. We don't know it's Art's house. We just know it's a house at that point. Then sending the gurney flying through the street out the back of the ambulance, which it comes to arrest hitting the Klopex car, which knocks the trunk loose and the trunk lid goes flying open, while Ray tries to make a citizen's arrest, trying to convince everyone of what's going on. He even ends up arguing with Carol. He's like, no, listen, citizen's arrest. He confessed they killed the naps, you know, and then he talks about how he tried to kill me. And while this is happening, at some point, Ricky pulls up a blanket while this argument is going on. And the cop tells Ray he has no evidence, no bodies, and no proof. He doesn't have anything, which Ricky responds, you do now. He pulls away the wool blanket right off of a huge pile of skeletons that pretty much fills the entirety of that giant goddamn trunk. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that Glenn Danzig saw that and went, I need those skulls. (laughs) I want those skulls. Every time the Dr. Klopek says that, he's like, I want your skull. (laughs) I want my skulls. I'm like, yep, I just want to play fucking skulls by the misfits right after that. That's funny. Hans tries to run, but Rumsfeld goes chasing after him, screaming something like, hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? (laughs) That's right. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then he does this slide tackle where he basically launches himself falling to the ground underneath of Hans's legs, knocking Hans on top of him. And then he stands up holding on to Hans by the neck. And he says something about, I was six months in the bush, Sonny, and I'll snap your neck like a twig or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then Art ends up giving a speech to the news. We see it kind of jumps around a little bit here. And Carol and Ray are heading up to the lake. They decide they've had enough. And then Art screams something about how Geraldo is coming to excavate the Klopex basement. That joke doesn't really last very long if you don't remember where he had that failure with Al Capone's vault. Yeah. That's what they're making a reference to where there's nothing else in the basement, but he's going to excavate it. And then Art's wife is home and his house is on fire and he only cares about one of those things. Right. My wife's home. (laughs) My wife's home. (laughs) Love that too. He's like, he doesn't care his house is on fire. He's more terrified that his wife is home. Ray walks up to Ricky to look after the neighborhood. He tells him it's time for him to look after the neighborhood while he's gone. Ricky tells him that he will. And then Corey Feldman ends up breaking the fourth wall as Ricky and says something about, I love this neighborhood or something like that. Then we get the reverse of the opening mega zoom heading from the outside of the globe to the Midwestern suburb. We now see it go out of the Midwestern suburb and then out into the rest of the world. And then we see the world in space. And then the credits roll showing shots of each of the cast as the credits are rolling and the movie is over. 
Now, you did show me the movie for the first full time that I watched it, and you were talking about how I got super excited about the sequence where Ray's having the nightmare. Yeah. And do you remember why I always got so excited about that? Uh, no. Because no, you, you always had nightmares like that? No. Because when I was a little kid, I saw only that part of the film. Oh. Only the part where he comes down the stairs and like right before the chainsaw hits. And right. all I could remember was it was a Tom Hanks movie. Tom Hanks walks down the stairs. A chainsaw starts stalling at the wall near him. He jumps down. And then I saw a whole sequence where he had the nightmare with the satanic cult and all that stuff. Super, super young. I never knew what the movie was, but I remember thinking that was awesome. But to my mom, I was too young to be seeing something like that. So she changed the channel, Tom Hanks or no Tom. Hanks. Oh, okay. So she wouldn't let me watch it. And then I never knew about the movie and I forgot about it pretty much. And then you had the tape of the Burbs. I think you found your old tape that your parents had of the VHS, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you brought it to the apartment when we were in college in Pittsburgh. Yep. Because we didn't have cable <laughs> and our, <laughs> no. our TV reception was terrible. So we watched a lot of movies yeah. on VHS and I had quite the collection, <laughs> Yep. but I didn't have that movie. <laughs> so we watched it. And when that scene came on, I had that revelation and I remember freaking out and I still love that scene to this day because I've always been fascinated with it and obsessed with finding out what it is. Yeah. So you helped me fill in the blank of a movie that I'd seen at a very young age and I had no clue what it was. I and think that's the only movie I've ever seen that you did not know anything about. Well, you knew something about it, but... Didn't know what it was. Yeah. Or, yeah. It was pretty much the movie that you introduced me to. Yeah. It was the first time that you would kind of introduce me to something that was somewhat horror related. Right. Because it's always been the reverse, which is what makes this movie that much more special. Right. We have a movie that we both love. This happens to be your pretty much your favorite movie. I don't think there's anyone yeah. that you enjoy more than this or have seen more than this. No, it's got everything. Comedy, <laughs> horror, action. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Carrie Fisher looking adorable with the short haircut. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> Not your type. No, no. All, the whole, you're the more, whole cast is great. You're more about Wendy Shaw with the no tan lines this morning. Yeah. <laughs> no tan lines. Yeah. I was thinking that too. I'm like, well, there's plenty of eye candy for those people that are attracted to women in this film. Not so much on the guy front. I mean, oh, come on, Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> oh, Courtney Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recognize him from The Children of the Corn? I think he was Jacob, I think he played. Oh, really? Yeah, he was ganky and redheaded <laughs> there. He's like this tall, thin guy. So, yeah, he was Jacob in uh, Children of the Corn. It was before this because I think he had actually grown up a little bit and was more grown up when this film came out. Oh. But uh, that's probably what a lot of people will recognize him from. Yeah. So you like redheads that much that you're willing to go for Hans Christian yeah. Anderson? I'm just joking. You, no, the whole cast is great, though. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie. It's a lot of fucking fun. And if you haven't seen it, but you listen to this, shame on you. You should have seen the film by now. Yeah. <laughs> and get your hands on the best copy that you can get. Uh, I highly recommend the Blu-ray that is of the 2K GAN that Arrow Video recently did. It was supervised by Joe Dante. All the stuff was authorized. It looks amazing and it's just totally worth it, but you do need a region-free Blu-ray player for that if you're in the States, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Which I have. I guess you did talk about the score. You didn't really play too much of the well, music on there, but... I I will have some, but yeah. Oh, okay. I had to cut around the music because I wanted to get the dialogue when we were reviewing the movie. But yeah, the score okay. is amazing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. That's a great part. Yeah, he knocked it out of the park with this one. Totally. Yeah. Hmm, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, 
I don't know. I guess that's it. Well, you basically said everything when, when you said that it has comedy, it's got horror, it's got action, it's like everything you want yeah. in a horror Yeah, uh, the, a the music's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of the best performances out of all of the actors that you get, yeah. too. Yeah. It's really underrated. Not a lot of people really love the burbs that they should. Yeah. But the people who love the burbs are just like us. They're every bit as obsessed with it as what we are. Yeah, we show it to everybody. Like, <laughs> Whether you haven't seen it? Okay, come on. Yeah. <laughs> come on over. What do you mean you don't like it? Now you have to watch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Stay until they like it. Yeah, and we're both excited to finish up the show so we can go watch it again on the projector together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally our couple's film, I think. Mm-hmm. We have a few of them, but this is kind of our go-to, and it's perfect for the Halloween season, too. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, so. All right, well, why don't we wrap up the show here? We'll take one more break. We'll play another promo for a podcast. We'll have a little bit of music, and we'll take care of the show housekeeping. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. show here. The show housekeeping is going to be very simple because I don't expect you to interrupt me nearly as much as what Matt does. Tell me what Matt does. I'll do, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, pretty much just stops me in mid-sentence to try and make some stupid dick or fart joke. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. You can find this show on Legion Podcast, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash thiops. That's going to be our main landing page and also our feed where you can subscribe. You can look us up on Facebook. You can find our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, where we have people posting all sorts of alternative photography, lots of crazy-ass memes, photos of me and thongs, whatever they end up doing because they're sick and twisted individuals, and I love each and every one of you. It's a total blast, the Cinema PsyOps group on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Court PsyOps. You can find Matt on Facebook. He's Matt PsyOps. 
Don't look up Bev on Facebook. She wants to be left alone, guys. Leave me alone. <laughs> she suffers enough being married to a jackass like me. Leave me alone. <laughs> you can email feedback to Matt, dieupmatt at gmail.com. Tell him to quit the fucking show and let Bev take over full time. Yeah. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemazyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him how wonderful Bev was on the show and that he should fire Matt and hire his wife on full time. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, all you want. Fuck Matt. <laughs> Just kidding, Matt. <laughs> you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm court underscore psyop. Matt is at psyop Matt. You can tweet us some photos of your burbs. Thank you so much, everyone, for downloading and listening to this episode. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. It's too soft. Yeah, too soft. It, I'm doing that so you don't, you can breathe and it doesn't catch the breaths and all that other stuff. So that's what the gates are for. Okay. I'm just trying to get you used to how you sound for when you record. All right. So don't talk soft. Yeah. Okay. Basically pretend like you're talking on the phone when you're talking to the microphone and you don't have a very good connection. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Project your voice a little bit more. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. You sound sexy. Like that? Yeah. Perfect. Hello. <laughs> That's a little too Kathleen, <laughs> Kathleen Turner overdrive for oh, me, no. sweetie. <laughs> okay. I like a husky voice, but on you it doesn't work because that's not you. Okay. I'm going to mute us because we're recording right now. Are we like going for real right now? Yeah, we're going to go. Okay. Now, when I introduce you, I'm going to unmute you and then you will... What do I say? Whatever you want. That's what Matt always does. <laughs> I didn't know I had to have a script ready. You don't have to have a script ready. Just talk about how nervous you are and how you're not ready. <laughs> Just be you. Just have fun, okay? You'll be fine. All right. It's okay to make fun of me on the show if you want. That's totally what we do. Okay. And I'll try not to dish back because, you know, I'm trying to have you ha make sure you have a good time while you're doing this. You can make fun of me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I'll just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll just make pay it for it. Make later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll make me pay for it later. Yep. This was really hard to pick clips out of this film because the whole film is 100% quotable. Yeah, I should have actually been down here with you. I'd be like, pick this and this. <laughs> well, it didn't work out that way with your schedule and with family visiting us in town. So it, it's fine. It, it, you know, it'll be a great episode either way. We're already having a blast. I can't see you shaking your head, sweetie. Oh. <laughs> Not gonna be. I know. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that you did it again just to fuck with me. <laughs> Oh, it didn't come through. I was trying to do my creepy voice. <laughs> Your creepy voice is too soft. I know. Damn. And you're not creepy. It's just cute. <laughs> uh, see, now that's how I get back at you for all the stuff you've been jiving at me. I'll just tell you you're cute when you try to be creepy. I'm creepy and evil. <laughs> and you still love it. <laughs> you're so adorable. Shut up. Baby, you're the devil. That's why I worship you. <laughs>
You okay? Yeah. Okay. You comfy still? Yeah. Just okay. yawning and stretching. Okay. Just making sure. I never asked Matt because I don't care. <laughs> and Ray lets out. Can you read your, yeah, chicken, yeah. your chicken scratch? Yes, I can read my chicken scratch. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Love you, sweetie, but you're really <laughs> busting my chops here. <laughs> okay. I, I swear it looks like it's, I don't know, some kind of satanic <laughs> chicken scratch. It looks like I'm writing backwards. Yeah. And in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> Little secret, I am. <gasps> Mind your own business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you really screwed me up now. Sorry. Sorry.